nodding in and out of smiles like an archaeopteryx comedian. I need to stop drinking out the same water I'm puking in. Like a box of matches in a world of lighters, I'm a loser. Occasional robotic bloodhound, fully employed loser. Story with no plot, a puppy without tact, a magician with no tricks. Really? They only have they brand. They they have four episodes right now. Gotcha. I was about to say I. I've never actually watched it, um, the old one. Um, I've seen clips and stuff. I feel dumber for like watching it, to be honest with you. <laughs> the, uh, which I know is not exactly the most fair thing to say. I think that's his intention. Yeah. yeah. The, did you ever watch the movie Idiocracy? It was mm-hmm. like in like 2006. Yeah. I watched, so I was sick recently. And so I'm terrible. First off, I'm terrible with watching movies. Like mm-hmm. I just. I don't know what it is about just sitting and committing to like an hour and a half. Yeah. I just, I refuse to. I, I, I get it. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like my, my logic is not there because I'll sit and watch YouTube videos, five yeah. minutes a piece, but watch like 30 of them. It's like, yeah. I could have watched two movies in that time period. Yeah. And it just, it doesn't make sense. But nevertheless, I watched Idiocracy. I felt so fucking stupid after watching that movie i was like what is going on like why do i like why first off why did i watch it and then like why like why do i feel more stupid even though i'm smarter than the people that are in the movie yeah that's the only movie where it was a comedy slash unintentional uh scary documentary for the it became a it (laughs) became a scary documentary for sure for sure like it's one of those that you're like okay this was a joke yeah. This was something that was like, like, but now it's scary, like you just said, right? It's, yeah. Oh, I was like, okay, we're not, we are not far off from having a recliner with a toilet in it. Yeah. I was like, damn. First off, I, I'm scared that I kind of like that idea. I was like, but second off, like that's we're not that far from that. Yeah, and and every single place you go to for any type of service has a strip club in it or a escort Some, service. Yeah. Something right. I was about <laughs> to say something of that nature. Like. What is he? What was it that he needed? He needed like a, oh, like not a referral. He needed like something, and they're like, "Oh, I can't, I, I don't, we don't have time for a hand job." It's like, yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? It's like, what? That's that's a call to hand job. It's like, yeah. Oh my god! Or like the the time machine was just like a roller coaster ride. You're just like, yeah. Fuck, dude. Like and, what and, a what and a like, wild thing. Yeah, and like so much knowledge was lost from the time. Like it's like it's been a long time since I've seen the movie. So uh, right, right. correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, did he get frozen in time where he get or did he got shot into the future it was um shot into the future and it was maya rudolph which before maya rudolph you know blew up yeah yeah. i I realized that as well but um they both um it was an experiment to see if they could freeze people for a year Mm -hmm. but that program in the military got shut down so then the whole thing was lost and they were kept there for like 500 years yeah. So then they woke up at like what was it twenty twenty five fifty or something like something, gnarly something, like that. Yeah. Which again, cool concept. The, again, the the big part of the beginning where they're like smarter people are not having kids. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Y- yeah. We're like smart people are like you know I, or or they're planning it out differently and then all of a sudden things come up and then they don't end up having kids. But people that are like living in a trailer park or whatever just oh, yeah. the, cranking out kids. all the all the dum-dums are just pumping like rabbits oh yeah you know? absolutely crushing it right <laughs> yeah. like i mean congrats on the sex but like also what like yeah, what's yeah, going yeah, on yeah. uh like i i hate it I, this is gonna sound cold or callous or whatever but like i hate it when someone says i had a kid to save my life fuck you bro <laughs> <laughs> congratulations you fucked up two lives yeah, yeah. <laughs> yours I, and the one you just made i could i could 
sympathize and say, like, you know what? I had a kid and it saved my life. Yeah. But having a kid to, to save, save life, my life. Different. That's different. fucking selfish. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, I don't know. I've it's met, not a I've puppy, met, right? I've met se- many people like that and they're just bad decision makers overall. Yeah. Which is like, which is tough because those are the people that raise bad decision makers, right? Oh, yeah. Like you don't, and maybe that's unfair, right? Because like, I think growing up is a lot of like learning from parents' mistakes and you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff that my parents have done that I don't do or whatever. So I can't say that's completely fair, but yeah. it seems like that though. Like the apple doesn't always fall far from the yeah. tree. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, the, the idea is to build upon what came before you, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, don't, I mean, at the very least make lateral moves. Don't be worse than, you know? Right. And, and, I don't know. <laughs> it's, that's not always the case, right? Like, yeah. It's uh, sad. <laughs> that is sad, dude. That's a gnarly thought. We got pretty deep early on in this. But so, okay, first off, this is one of my favorite. I'm, I'm glad that you're on the show. Uh, one of the things I wanted to say first and foremost is uh, I enjoy parts of your comedy for the fact that you are true to you. And oh, I don't you. know you. Right? Yeah. Like, so I can't sit here and be like, oh, that's William Wheeler. But. I can say that when I watch you and watch the product that you put on stage, I go, it, that's him. Yeah. What you put out there seems to be you. Yeah. That seems very genuine, and I can appreciate what you're doing. Good. Then, it all, it, then it's working. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I also like in which it seems like – and because I've only seen you at like maybe two open mics, and, uh-huh. and that's not because you don't go to open mics because yeah, yeah. I don't go to open mics. I just – I need to go more. But when I see you try a bit – I don't feel like you're kind of like, oh, let's tiptoe into this. Mm-hmm. I feel like you cannonball into every bit. You really commit to it. I believe in that that thought process because uh, I, I, like you just said, commit to the bit. Yeah. Uh, but like I, I believe in that um, mindset and and apply it to everything I can. Like um, like like I used to practice martial arts. I still kind of like like keep keep up my training regimen by myself i just haven't gone to an actual dojo in a long time sure but like if you're gonna like punch or kick someone you gotta fucking commit to that shit if you want to like go for that knockout because like one you don't want to throw like a, a weak punch and then sure. and look like a bitch you know yeah, sure. <laughs> and, then, sure. and then for lack of a better word but and then uh um or if you want to go for knockout, and then also when i used to work at the funeral home you know if you if you were because i mean you see i'm not i mean I'm not little, but I'm not a big guy either. So, sure. like, when I used to have to move someone that was, like, 300-plus pounds by myself, yeah. I had to fucking commit to that initial pull because there was a couple times where, like, I half-assed pulling them onto uh, from the bed there on onto the gurney. Yeah. And, and like, they almost slipped in the space in between. So gotcha. it's like, fucking, fucking do this, uh, get the form right, and then, phew, all right, yeah. here we go. Quick, swift. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think a lot of, like, uh, physical mindsets which i know is kind of weird thing to say and uh you can apply the same thing to to a mental thought process and vice versa yeah so that's one thing martial arts have taught me i mean that makes a lot of sense i i used Mm. to wrestle um i grew up guys since i was like three years old i wrestled so i I definitely understand what you're what you mean by the mindset of it, it very much so is uh an individual sport right like yeah yeah you know where it's you but you and the other person, it's it's weird that it's like it's also a dance, right? It is, yeah. It, it's obviously not chore- choreographed like a dance, but it is like a a movement and control and knowing that and 
knowing yeah. when to commit, like you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, a little bit of mental chess, like, okay, yeah. if I throw this, they're going to, uh, if my calculations are right, you kind of Sherlock Holmes the fight in a sense. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, they're going to move here, and then I'm going to do this, and then boom, and then yeah. it's done. A couple, couple steps ahead. Yeah. The uh, the thing I wanted to ask you, uh, first off, because I, I completely forgot that you mentioned uh, – you worked at a funeral home, mm. and, I, and I've heard that from you before, yeah. so we'll get into that. But Sweet. one of the first things I wanted to ask you, though, is what was your like comedy background? Because I know you also act, you also model, you also mm. do a lot of different forms of media. Yeah. How did any of that start? Start start wherever you want to start. All right. Um, I mean, the best place to start is the very beginning. So um, I've... I just crossed my six-year mark in stand-up comedy alone. Oh wow! Yeah. So I so I started like sh- very shortly after I got out of the navy. I got out of the navy in November. Oh, excuse me. No, you're fine. Oh, there we go. Let that burp uh, out, man. <laughs> you gotta let that burp eat. Yeah, better out than in. Yeah, exactly. Um, I started very shortly after I got out of the navy. I got out in November 2015, and then I started doing. I did my very first open mic for stand-up comedy July of that following summer so july 2016 okay um i uh i attribute uh, uh this to uh uh tito damron uh he used to run the Bozy brothers open mic on uh sundays uh, at the time he used to when i started he had a open mic at, on, on sunday at Bozy brothers and i met him at the box it's an improv theater in uh, downtown albuquerque they were doing a comedy jam and i start he was doing it and uh I started talking to him afterwards, and he invited me to help Mike. So I did Bozy, only Bozy, for a month uh, before I even found out about the other open mics. And then I went to the other open mics, and then it just uh, kind of snowballed from there. And then I, there was times where, like, I would take a hiatus from comedy for, like, a month or two because, sure. like, I felt like I wasn't progressing, let alone knew what I had to do next to progress more. So I didn't want to burn burn out of, of comedy and just, like, quit altogether. So. Sure. And I think that's necessary, uh, like, like, because you don't want to kill the thing you love, you know. Right. So that's kind of like where I start from that. Um, at in the summer of 2017, I went to a clown school in uh, Buffalo, Minnesota. Okay. Nice. So for uh, I know a lot of the like newer like Albuquerque comedians haven't seen me do prop comedy, but there was like a a good chunk of time where like after I came back from clown school, I was doing prop comedy. Like yeah. it, it was like my whole act was props. Yeah. And uh, like like I even I even did like the full white face clown get up and everything. And I noticed, and like this uh, goes back to like uh, like cannonballing into a bit. Yeah. Uh, where I noticed where the times where I wore the makeup and like did the full clowny thing that goes along with like props. Yeah. Those jokes hit harder, and then I was like, huh, that's a good thing to notice. Um, uh, not just for props, but just for like joke telling in in general. Yeah. And so like. I and then I started going to uh, soul acting studios. They're called a uh, que- uh, quest. Uh, I think they're called quest studios now. They changed their name. They rebranded very recently. Gotcha. But um, I took some acting classes there, and then uh, some voice acting classes. Uh, I 
this is gonna sound bad i dated a chick and like uh, like not for free singing lessons but i found out <laughs> i found out after the fact she was a trained opera singer so like i oh, i dated her longer than i should have to get free singing lessons dude i <laughs> okay first off you should she was know, a sweet girl if she ever listens to this i, I if she I, ever I, listens to global if podcast, she ever dude, listened to no, us, yeah. when she listens to this yeah, she's gonna be she, like what the yeah fuck? put it out <laughs> the, yeah fucking believe in it when she when you listen to this <laughs> i always i love when people are like oh if they and i'm like i always I said that since like the first episode when I had yeah. like just a couple of buddies listen to it and I'm like, it's global audience. Right. So yeah, I always yeah, say yeah. that, but it's so funny. Cause first off, you just shouldn't have mentioned that of like that you got free singing lessons because <laughs> I went this last Friday, I'm trying to write this into a bit, but I went to a pyramid scheme talk for like yeah. an hour and a half. It was fucking ridiculous. It's oh. so stupid. Oh, I didn't know you sold solar panels too. Right. No, right. <laughs> I was going to say fucking dumb, but, uh, the thing that they said the most during it is that it wasn't a pyramid scheme. It's like, that's the fucking biggest telltale sign. And then you were like, yeah. I didn't date her for singing lessons. Like, okay. Like now I, that's the only thing I can believe is mm. that you dated her for singing lessons. Yeah. yeah. It was like, <laughs> you outed yourself, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at, at a certain point it was for that, but yeah. like, she was a cool ch chick to uh, hang out with. Like, I like yeah. her. Like, I'm not someone that'll spend time with someone just because like, like, but that has to be a very valuable thing I'm trying to get for me to spend time with a dickhead, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like That checks out. <laughs> yeah. Like, very recently. I mean, I've always kind of believed in this, but, like, um, like I've been kind of diving more and more into stoic uh, thinking and philosophy. I didn't even know it was a thing for a sure. while. Uh, but, like, like, someone could steal your money, you can get money back. You could lose property, you could get property back. But if someone steals your time... You're never getting that shit back. Right. No matter if you say, oh, I just get on the back. End. No, that's a like a spent cost. It's like like yeah. if you if you buy a, a concert ticket, and they say no refunds. Uh, say you get sick. Fuck it. Right, fuck. I can't, fuck it. Fuck, I'm going to give this ticket to someone else so they can use it because right. like, I, there's, I'm not getting that money back. And right. It goes back with time. It's like once time spent, it's fucking spent. It's spent. Yeah. That That's such an interesting concept because immediately the first thing I think of when I was in school, I went to school for H or, uh, hotel, restaurant, tourism management. Yeah. And so they always talked about with rooms, right? Mm -hmm. We have an inventory of rooms. The problem is whenever that room goes for the night and no one is renting that room, that's that's gone. We're never getting that money back, right? Yeah. Because that's the time that we had allotted for it, right? Yeah. If you think of like a hotel, I didn't even think of that until just now of like, if you have a hotel of 200 rooms, like you essentially have 200 times 365 like that's that's your inventory for the year whatever you don't have every night booked up you lost that many rooms or that many nights like as a hotel so it's interesting that you say it like or it's it's weird that that's where my brain went but it yeah. makes sense that like time is just sunken right mm -hmm. that's it like there's no like i can't i can't refund you on that yeah that's interesting i guess i would have never thought of that. that's cool though what got you into sto stoic philosophy yeah yeah like uh some of the uh famous um uh, Stoke thinkers were like Marcus Aurelius, uh, Seneca. There's a couple of others. Um, like the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head that and I think it was Marcus Aurelius that said this is like, if you worry, uh, before it's necessary, you worry more than necessary. So like, they have like sayings like that where yeah. they're like very practical, like, like simple. things you're going to apply to your life. Simple. Like, yeah. Like, and I don't mean simple in like, uh, not effective right mm -hmm. simple is just that if, if i can't like I, I try to tell people that all the time if, if you can't 
simply explain something to someone, mm. then you don't really know it either. Exactly. That's a very simple way of putting it or a simple phrase. Yeah. People get to latch on, yeah. immediately understand it. Yeah. That's Makes actually sense. Yeah, that's actually a requirement to get a black belt in I think any martial art. You have to like teach it for a while be uh as a prerequisite for your black belt. That checks out. It yeah. makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. I I mean, and it like that makes a lot of sense because I, I used to coach wrestling as well, and I would tell kids during the practice, like I would help show moves or whatever, and I say, okay, I need you to teach everyone. I want you to go through the move. Yeah. And a lot of time, the kids that could actually explain it, mm-hmm. I knew they knew it. Yeah, and they have a solid grasp on it. I mean, you you can see when people like knows it, like like, no, right. like they're throwing it to a situation and their muscle memory takes over, sure. and like. Fucking at the very least, you want that. You know? Yeah, a hundred percent. But uh, like to like you know, you know, you have a firm grasp on it when you could just like talk it out and yeah. like and, and like say like your whole body went paralyzed and someone had to go fight for you. You're like the left jab, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hide your hide your kicks with your punches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? Okay, so then with stoic thinking though, like what got you into that? Like what oh, was something that you're like, you know what? I I need to do this. I mean, I stumbled on it by accident, like, cause like I follow a lot of like inspirational and motivational, like, like, uh, speakers and, uh, Instagram pages. So like Jocko Willink, I've, mm-hmm. I've read a couple of his books about leadership. Yeah. And so like that kind of like, kind of sent me down the path. And then, uh, I, I listen, I've, uh, well, like read slash listen to, what would you say to about an audiobook? You listen to it or you read it? I would say listen, listen to it. Listen, that's the, like. I hate when people are like, oh, it's not reading. It's like, like it's it. I'm getting information. Like that was yeah. the whole point of of, of the language. Book. Yeah, yeah. It's like to get information. So if I listen to it, who gives a shit? Like, that's, yeah, that's how my brain works. But yeah, I, I, you I would, listen to it. Yeah. So uh, Jordan Peterson was a uh, um, probably like the next step in just like in terms of psychology, mm-hmm. and then um, I know I'm all right. I'm gonna be making a bunch of tangents. Like, ta- go ahead. Like, so yeah. like, please bring me back on the track You're if good. I forget. You're good. So um. Like I'm a nerd when it comes to pens, and okay. I, I know that's a weird thing to say, sure. but like that sent me down the uh, like diving more and more into pens, like fountain pens, and like 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 doing different types of inks and whatever. That sent me uh, uh, down the rabbit hole into graphology, and graphology is a, a kind. Of, some people call it a pseudoscience, but like it goes into psychology where uh, you can look at someone's handwriting and more or less. Uh, uh, figure out the type of per, uh, personality that they have okay. by the uh, uh, how big the loops are, how uh, big small the letters are, and so on and so forth. Uh, the slants. Oh shit! Oh shit! Was I supposed to put this on? No, I My, mean if you uh, can, if you want to, you uh, it's already to. there. It's a, I was about to say it's uh, under the wheel right there. I can uh, move this. It's not a big deal. Yeah, if you, you if you want the headphones, awesome. If uh, not, not a big deal. Uh, no I, always, I always leave it out just in case, but it's not a not a requirement by any stretch. Yeah. But um, so uh, the the loops of uh, the writing. Oh, oh, and... oh yeah, uh, for graphology. Um, yeah, so some things will like t- will like tell you. Oh, this is an introvert, introverted person. This is an extroverted person. This person is probably. Uh, I know this is gonna sound weird. Good, good with working with their hands. Some pe- this determines that they're more likely to uh, uh, commit felonious actions. You know, like mm-hmm. it's weird little things like that. Um. And then, uh, like, I grew up, uh, like, I, I grew up in a Christian household, Christian mm-hmm. slash Catholic. Sure. And, you know, and I ended up going the non-denominal Christian route because it was less physical work I had to do at, <laughs> yeah. at the... <laughs> kneeling down. And, yeah. And yeah. I actually learned more of the Bible through a non-denominal church than I ever did at Catholic Mass. Because yeah. all I re- remember at Catholic Mass is stand up, sit down, kneel down, sit down, stand up, hold hands, raise them up. 
all right, take the communion. And I know you're not supposed to take the communion when you haven't gone through like communication class or whatever. Right. I know I just jacked up that word, but uh, but like very lately, I was like, well, uh, like a- after the uh, Stoic philosophy thing, I was like, well, what's the like goal of everything, you know? Because I've and like what really kind of like started changing my thinking of like maybe I shouldn't be a Christian. So I can be a better Christian at the end of the day, just to be a better person. Yeah. Uh, was uh, when I was in the Navy and I traveled around and I was meeting people that weren't Christians and they were more Christian like than Christians. And I was yeah. an atheist, too. Yeah. And like I was like, what well, this is like going against everything I ever fucking believed in. Yeah. And then I started really thinking about it. I'm like, if there is absolutely nothing after we die, um, but that kind of forces you to play the best human game possible and to be, become more loving uh, with, with everyone you, you come across, right? Interesting. And and we're really like a colony of ants, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, That's an interesting thought, and not to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. No, 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 I mean, when you, when you think about it, right, like it almost – and I'm not – not to put words in your mouth, but just the way I'm hearing that, it sounds like there's an arrogance to being a Christian, right? It's like – I don't have to do this life the best possible way, yeah. right? Like I can, I do this or whatever. I'm saved. Fuck it. Now I'm going to heaven. Like this, yeah. this is a small time period. Like I know what's waiting there. Mm-hmm. Whereas an atheist might go, this is it, man. So I'm kind yeah. of doing the best I can right now. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. But it, I mean, kind of crazy way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so to jump back and so like I, I was like thinking and feeling different ways. And I know even like no matter what time period you live in, you're going to, fi- you know, birds of a feather flock together. You're going to yeah. find your people like the comedy community is my people for sure. Yeah. And but like beyond that, I was like, man, um, I, like I'm thinking and feeling things that I feel like other people aren't thinking. Am I going crazy? Like there was a wild <laughs> period of time where I was like. I might be going crazy. Like, yeah. like my aunt, she has like schizophrenia, but I was like, I don't have any of the signs she has. But like, what am I experiencing right now? So I started reading some of the, uh, stoic, um, philo- uh, thoughts and I'm, and that kind of opened my eyes. Like, wow. Like the things I'm thinking and feeling right now are the same things that people were thinking and feeling thousands of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like Seneca, he was like, uh, walking around the same time Jesus Christ was. Um, and I'm like, whoa so like that kind of like blew my opened my mind to that um so yeah so like at the end of the day i just want to be a better person you know yeah yeah i want to be the best human being possible yeah you want to find different ways to think and and if that betters your life in a way yeah yeah that's what i'm hearing at least is that yeah i the I want to try to find the highest truths and master them because, like, those things, I believe, bleed into everything else that we, we do. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, So 100%. that's – and it goes back into saving time. The If I can master these things up here, I don't have to, like, waste time with, with trying to master all these things down here. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, 100%. Yeah. Um, to some extent, I'm going to try to relate it in a smaller scale. One coach told me, I think he was a football coach, but he was like, if we take care of the big things, the little things will take care of themselves. Yeah. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's super simple, whatever. It's not a big deal. But it makes sense, though, right? Like, if you're an honest person, you don't have to worry about the white lies. You don't have to worry about, you know, the little things taking care of themselves. If, mm-hmm. you ha- if you're a man of integrity, it's mm-hmm. like, I don't have to worry about the way my, my character's question. Yeah. No, like I, I didn't do that. Right. Like, yeah, you take care of the big things. The little things will take care of themselves. Yeah. 
I saw a really cool video where it was um, some college professor and uh, he had like a, a, a see-through glass jar and he was like, he filled it up with a bunch of golf balls like to the top, like mm-hmm. so you can't fill any more golf balls. And he asked his class, hey, uh, is is the jar full? And everyone's like, yeah. And he reaches into his bag and gets a bunch of coffee beans and he fills it up. Uh, fills up the jars uh, with as much coffee beans that it can hold yeah. with all the golf balls in it. And he's like, is the jar full now? And everyone's like, yeah. Then he gets like a bag of sand and he fills it up with as much sand as he can. And he like packs it down. And he's like, is it full now? And he's like, and they're like, yeah. And you could hear their yes becoming more and more confident as he's yeah. filled it up with more stuff. And he's like, you know, he's like, start. Uh, like worry about the big things and the little things will take care of themselves they'll fall into place they'll fall into place yeah like the big things are like your family your friends uh uh, the small things are like your job and your hobbies and and it just kind of like dwindles down you know so if you only worry about the small things you know that's going to fill up the jar and you're not going to have space for the big shit yeah yeah a hundred percent i mean it's a great way of thinking about it that's intense you were in the navy Mm mm-hmm what took you to the Navy, and how long were you in the Navy? So uh, so I was born and raised here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I wanted to do the – so uh, before I go into the Navy choice, I wanted to go into the military because I didn't know – a couple of reasons. I didn't know what I wanted to go to college for yet at the time. Yeah. I had a couple of ideas, but I'm like, I'm going to put that on the shelf and, and do this thing so I can have, like, this life experience and you know, whatever. And so, and then, so I can have time to think about whatever uh, I want to do after the Navy if I choose to get out. And then, um, all the men in my family on my dad's side have been in the military in in some regard. So, I, in a way, it was kind of like carrying on a family tradition. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not like super big into like family tradition stuff unless like it makes sense, you know. Yeah, like I don't, I don't like to, I don't like the idea of carrying on tradition just for the sake of carrying just on tradition. Tradition, sake. yeah, yep, yeah, I get that. Yeah, um, but I ended up doing the Navy because I didn't want to go from one desert to a bigger desert. Yeah, and I felt like what I felt like the Navy was gonna give me more life experience by sending me around the world more, and uh, and I was on a submarine uh, in the Navy. I was a sonar tech. So what sold me on the submarine decision was the recruiter telling me like, "Hey, man." If you do subs, you could go up to the North Pole, break through the ice, and you could walk around the North Pole. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to go to the North Pole. That sounds cool as shit. You can't just buy a plane ticket to go up there. Yeah, yeah, And You don't just get a Southwest, like, one-way ticket. Yeah. Like, you gotta, you, you gotta have to make something. extra steps to go to that to the North Pole. 100%. And even and while I personally didn't get to go, I, I knew a few friends that went up there, and they have, they have pictures of them standing on the ice and everything. I'm like, man, that's fucking cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, when I went on deployment, so typically uh, on a typical, submarine um deployment you you'll go on uh, a sub- submarine contract i should say you go on two deployments mm-hmm. i went on one just because um the submarine i got attached to after i got out of uh like going through like my sub school my a school and so on and so forth i uh, uh i got attached to the uh, uss newport news and it had just entered the shipyard uh, period. So like they had gone on to deployment, came back, they completely gutted the entire submarine to up update all of the systems on it. And then, um, and then they were going to send it uh, back out to sea. And so I was on the boat for about a month, if that, uh, cause, uh, before they kicked me over to another submarine so I could get sea time uh, under my belt. Mm-hmm. So they, we did a one month underway and that, that submarine was the USS Norfolk. 
and that summer's not even a commissioned anymore they decommissioned it It was like over 30 years old oh wow yeah they decommissioned it a few years back so it's crazy to think about that anyway they um uh we went out for a month we came back to get our affairs in order so we could go off on deployment and they were like they're very serious they're like hey um we don't expect anything bad to happen but make sure you have a will i was like God, damn. <laughs> and that's like a very surreal thing for someone to tell you at uh, 22 yeah. years old. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say <laughs> 21 that's years old. Like, I like like real shit is very possible now. Yeah, no, 100. percent Yeah, like I know, like real shit is like can happen in Albuquerque, like especially in the sea areas. But like, yeah. wh- when you're going intentionally going into like a shitty part of the world where it's like we're going to a part of the world where, like we might have to fight someone you yeah. know and we might not come back or what a, what a way to yeah. phrase that too like like there's no other reason to need a will <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you know what i mean it's not like yeah. it's like hey you know what you should probably call your family it's like i, yeah. I always call my family you know what i mean it's like yeah yeah like hey you should you should have a will yeah wait what like yeah. you, excuse me like, yeah we might not intense. come back yeah, yeah. jesus and like looking back on it now, we did have like a couple of close calls, and like at the time, it's kind of like oh whatever, because I'm looking at it like through a computer screen. Yeah, and um, you just kind of look at it like oh whatever, you yeah. Know? But like, I also oh, feel like at 22, like you're not, you're not exactly like I, I mean, I, I feel like at 22, you're not sitting there going like yeah, this feels pretty real. Like I'm gonna die. Like at 22, you borderline feel invincible. Like you're, yeah, like, I'm not gonna die. But yeah, I'm fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I'm 31 now, but, uh, like, n- not that I'm fi- – like, I'm not – what's the best way to say this? I'm f- still physically capable, but I now that I, I'm, I'm older and I have a little bit – I have uh, more awareness of, like, uh, the world around me. Yeah. It, like, you don't feel nearly as invincible. You yeah. feel 99% less invincible. Yeah, checks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that math adds up pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like – because like you can try you can tell yourself you can fucking you can lie to yourself or you can be like in uh just like ignorance is bliss you could just be like drowning in ignorance but like at the end of the day you can you you can have as much control over the things around you but you could get hit by a bus you know walking across the street yeah yeah there's so many like the fragility of life yeah there's so many things that are out of your control that you that could take you out and it's like oh Fine, let's let's you know, let's enjoy this beer. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was about let's say, enjoy, enjoy the cigar. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah, the, the, it is weird though, right? Like, that is one of my biggest fears of like having, and like I say, biggest fears. I, I say that jokingly is like having a dumb death, like having yeah. something stupid, like, yeah, man, I just tripped wrong, or like yeah. I fell, in, like there was no manhole cover, I wasn't paying attention, yeah. I dropped and hit my head yeah having something that it, you never saw coming yeah. like like um uh one of the first uh deaths i i experienced i was kind of like close to me within the military at least mm-hmm. um it was a buddy of mine his name was uh joshua carter and uh he was beloved by the literally the entire boat and yeah. and like he had this infectious laugh he was a cool guy to ha- uh, talk to and hang out with and um, I remember we were – he was – he wasn't on the Norfolk. He was on the Newport News, um, uh, uh, the submarine I was originally attached to. Mm-hmm. And um, I woke him up to for him to stand his watch for the uh, – because we had – we were in the same duty section. 
and he he got up he stood his watch and he had to leave early to go to like a, a like a school or a trainer or something yeah a doctor's appointment whatever and someone else on our very same boat uh so like josh he was on his motorcycle and he was he was speeding out of the shipyard and another guy that was uh uh on the boat he was speeding to get into the shipyard and they they had a car accident and mm. like josh died oh, and wow. like it was like fuck. like josh was like was like almost like superman you know yeah. he, like he was awesome and then he's gone and it's like what the fuck like that yeah. kind of like sh- uh, sh- was one of the first times in my life where i got like shook by a death you know? yeah and uh so like so like there was that and then outside of like like the Chinese, the Russians, or or the Iranians, or whoever, like we'd be like potentially like spying on or like going up against in the world. Uh, my very last underway in the Navy. So, like, just to give a little bit of uh, context, when we have like writers on it. So, oh, man, there's so much to say. I was on a. <laughs> so we got I was, time. We got time. Yeah, yeah. Run, good, good, it. good. Yeah. Uh, this is why I wanted to start earlier. <laughs> I got you. So I um. Uh, not to say that, that we're starting late or anything. Like I, I showed up late. (laughs) (laughs) All good. Uh, I, um, so I was on a fast attack submarine and I chose to be on a fast attack submarine because those are the submarines that go out and do spy missions, pull into ports, do like what I call God's work, you know? And like, there's like boomers, uh, they're, they're, uh, trident submarines. Uh, there's different classes of submarines, but, um, those are the ones or they're bigger and more luxurious in size and space. So mm-hmm. you live a more comfortable life while you're out at sea on one of those things. But they, um, to put it in a, in a, you know, in a nutshell, they go out for three months, swim in a circle and come back. And then there's, they switch teams with like another crew that's, that can man it. And then, you know, it goes out again. Uh, but like, I, I joined the military to go like see some action. So like I chose a fast attack submarine. Um, so when we have writers on the boat with us and that could be like really high ranking, uh, like officers or whatever, or, or not, or it could be someone that's not even necessarily in the military. It could be like a language specialist. Like one time mm-hmm. we had, we had someone that was like extremely fluent in like Iranian or mm-hmm. like, or like, like f- fill in the blank, whatever language of sure. people were trying to watch. They, um, well, they'll set up racks down in the torpedo room for like some of the crew because like why would you put the writer next to a torpedo, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're nice like that. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> uh, so like some of the crew will be like literally sleeping next to a torpedo, and like I had to do that once. Like like most of my life has been like like living comfortably by being extremely lucky. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and like also like one time I had to sleep down in the torpedo room and like that life sucks, man. Like like you you already have to get used to like a lot of sound being just happening around you while you're out at sea already. Uh, but like when you're like in the torpedo room, like people are walking back and forth and people are talking because, you know, it's the torpedo room. It's basically like the public park. You know, people, yeah. people are like walking back and forth and like doing their thing. And they try to be quiet because they know you're sleeping. But at the end of the day. We all know it's the torpedo room, right? Yeah. So, like, I was working out in the back left corner of the room, and I had my headphones in, so the dialogue was told to me after the fact. This guy named Acker, he lays down, and I uh, I see him lay, lay down in the rack, and not too much long afterwards, uh, another guy, and he was a torpedo man, another torpedo man, his name is Zellers, comes around, and he's like, hey, Acker, can't get up and help us stow some stuff? 
And uh, Acker's like, fuck off, I just lay down. So Zellers walks away. And then uh, Yenser walks walks around a few minutes later. He's like, hey, Acker, can you get up and help us stow some stuff? Uh, stow means, like, like help, like, put, put it away. So yeah. if we hit high seas, it's not, like, flying all over the place. Sure. And uh, he, he's like, hey, uh, can you help us stow some stuff? The next person that comes around is probably going to yell at you. And then uh, Acker says, I'm going to tell you the same thing. I told Zellers, fuck off, I just laid down. And so Yenser says, why don't you just get up and do your fucking job for once? And so, like, he's walking to the forward part of the room. And everything, everything's still calm. You know, Acker gets up out of the rack and he leans against the stove, and um, and he says, uh, he like he takes it. I saw him like kind of like sit there for a few seconds, thinking about like what he was gonna say before he said it. Yeah. <laughs> so you know he meant it. Mm-hmm. So like he he like looks like away from me and like towards the forward part of the room at, at Yancer and he's like I keep telling you guys you keep making fun of me I'm gonna fucking kill someone and then Yancer turns around and he's like you keep talking about it, just fucking do it already Jeez. and then <laughs> so like Acker he he goes into his rack real quick and he it pulls out like his poopy suit it, it, that's what we call it it, it was the co- navy coveralls that we wear when we're out at sea yeah. and it's like a Jennifer it's it's a jumpsuit gotcha. so like he he throws it down and then he um He's like searching through all the pockets. I'm, I'm th- watching all this happen. I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? And then I see Acker like charge y- Yenser and, uh, and like he had charged at him with a knife. Ooh. I didn't see the knife right away. Sure. And so like at, at first he like charges Yenser and Yenser had the foresight to know not to charge Acker first because that would have made Yenser look like the bad guy. Sure. It, so Acker char- he lets Acker charge him first and like he charged to go at him like at the gut with with the knife to stab him and like yenser was fast enough and strong enough to like catch him at the wrists at both of his wrists and like so like he holds him like there for a couple seconds then acker pulls back and flips the knife down to the ice pick position and tries to come down and yenser catches him again and so like now they're they're kind of looking like um like a wwe like uh like a test of strength type of thing between the ultimate warrior and hulk hogan you know and like they're there for a minute i'm watching them and at this point i still didn't jump in to intervene because the (laughs) this kind of like tells you a little bit of how submarine culture is uh, uh the torpedo men on my boat had a reputation for playing with knives all the time so it wasn't uncommon to hear like oh martinez uh cut himself uh bouncing his knife on the on his forearm again you know right. it was like a common thing and so i was watching him like oh they're just being torpedo men whatever and then like i see like their body language get like really like intense i'm yeah I, and i take another second i'm like oh shit i think this is for real yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh Yancer flipped Acker around so like his uh back is uh Acker's back is on Yancer's chest yeah. and he's he's bear hugging him and he bear hugged him into the corner. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta go do something. Yeah. And so like I ran over there and, and when I ran over there, that's when I finally saw the knife in Acker's hand. And I was and he still had it in the ice pick position. He had it like that. I was like, Acker, I was like, Acker, bro, let let it go, man. It's not worth it. And Acker, so Acker was tiny. He was like maybe five foot seven, five foot six, and he he weighed 120 pounds soaking wet. He was a tiny dude. Yeah. And I tried to pry his like fingers away, but like he had so much adrenaline going on, I couldn't like I couldn't yeah, do no that. Way. So I and this was kind of cool. 
so my dad was an army ranger and he would <laughs> tell me like all these like weird techniques on how to disarm or like kill people. <laughs> he, yeah. he told me one time, like, you, you know, you can really mess someone up with a rolled up uh, magazine, <laughs> yeah. like, like a, a table yeah. Like, magazine. Yeah. And it's like wild to like think about things like that. And so like he told me that he showed me this one trick on how to like take a knife away from someone. And like I use that technique. It worked like a charm, dude. Wow. I, Oh, fucking, oh, I know it sounds weird that we're like, like if you know martial arts or if you have guns in your house that you want someone to do something so you could try out the techniques to sure. see if they work. Yeah. I, I I know it's a dark thought, but like, I was like amped. I was like, oh my God, it's working. Yeah. Oh, mm. <laughs> I am all that is man. <laughs> oh. And so, like, like I, like I, uh, I use the leverage to like twist it out of his hand, and it diffused the situation immediately. And um, uh, Yancer was still holding him, but like they kind of like, like, kind of like relaxed down into like a sitting position, and Yancer mm -hmm. was still holding him. And their LPO, uh, Sean Young, he walks around. He Sean Young was like God's gift to the Navy. Like yeah. he, if you cut cut him, he would bleed golden blue. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, it, but like he comes around the corner and he's like, hey what's going on here? And then, uh, Yancer was like, I could just try to fucking stab me. And then, <laughs> and then very casual. Yeah. Very, uh, uh, and yeah. then, uh, and then young, he's still like, kind of like nonchalant. He's looking, he's like, Acker, did you try to hurt Yancer? He used that word. Yeah. And, then, and then, uh, uh, he's like, you guys won't leave me alone. And then young, he like closes his eyes and throws his head back and he just lets out a sigh. And I know th that told me like fuck I can't sweep this under the rug like yeah. I know what that meant. I got it. I got to yeah. do something about yeah. this. Yeah, and I have to go talk to the chiefs. And he and he's like Wheeler, stay here, make sure they don't stab each other anymore. I'll be right back. And so like he goes up up to a uh, middle level to grab the chiefs. Then he comes back down. He's like, all right, man, you can you can go. So like I jump, I put my coveralls on, I run into Sonar. I'm like, yo, I could just try to fucking stab Dancer, <laughs> and I took the knife away. That was like the most adrenaline I ever had pumping in my body. Because yeah, like, yeah. one, it's like the situation in and of itself, and then two, it's like you're watching one of your friends trying to kill one of your other friends, and yeah. it's like none of this is like making sense right now. What yeah, the yeah. fuck is happening? Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, and especially in that moment, you're not like super detailed, right? Like you've had right. years between that actually happening and this story. Yeah. Whereas like at the time, you're probably like, okay, they're on the ground. Okay, but they didn't start on the ground. Okay, but he came in. Okay, I didn't hear what they said though. I don't know what fuck happened. Like you're like yeah. you're trying to piece the story together as you're trying to tell it. Which yeah, yeah. Can't be like can't be great at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So like it, it was it, it was a few situations of that, but that situation solely solidified me thinking. All right, there's times where there you can't think. You just have to go act just have to go, and hopefully you're ready for when that moment comes. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my god. Whether it be physical or mental, you know, because like it, it, it's it's a dance, you know, you, it's a fifty-fifty. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's intense. That's that's one thing I've learned about life as I've gotten older. Everything's about balance. You gotta, you can't be all one thing. You you might have to focus on one thing and be unbalanced for a little while so you can become balanced when you come back out of it. But mm -hmm. so you can get good at that thing, so you can become more overall balanced. But yeah. Fuck, life is fucking crazy, man. Life is fucking crazy, dude. So, okay. Forgive me if I went away from our original no, thing, whatever you're No, 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 no. I mean, it's a great story. I appreciate you telling it. The um, So, you get out of the Navy. Mm. 
and you oh, start yeah. start stand up comedy. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. That's we're it's a comedy podcast. That's why we're here. <laughs> we, this, this is just a podcast. Yeah, I yeah. like comedy. Oh, okay. You and I met because of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I assume we'll talk about comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm always here for a story. I'm mean, this right, is this right. is just a conversation. Okay. I, I love having the conversation. So dope. That's first and foremost. Oh, okay. I just assume we'll talk about comedy at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I, I get out of the Navy. I was in the Navy for five years. I was in from November 17th, 2010 to November 17th, 2015. And uh, so I get out, and I was, uh, for lack of a better word, I was a bum. I had enough wor- uh, I had enough money to, like, live off of for a while. So I was like, I got to fucking just decompress and, like, sure try to relearn how to be a person again yeah and like one of the reasons why i got out was because uh like i couldn't i started noticing i was developing an anger problem like Mm -hmm. i wasn't happy unless i was angry Mm -hmm. and like that at least at the time i was in i'm sure it's still like that now um the suffering culture is kind of like it kind of like breeds bitterness yeah yeah which is weird because I I don't see that from you whatsoever. No, I've I've worked. I'm a very controlled person as it is, but yeah. like I've taken steps to try to like manage my anger. Yeah, yeah, and like like I now's one of the reasons why I got. I'm like I know this is not who I am. Like I wasn't an angry person to begin with. Yeah. I will get angry righteously. Sure. Uh, uh, like if it's justified. Yeah. But like like I don't believe in being angry just for the sake of being angry. Sure. Everything, everything has a time and a place. Yeah. Um. But like, I got out, and like, that first year I was out, I was just. <laughs> there was a one time, uh, my, my I was talking to my sister about something, and she was still a teenager at the time about something serious, and like, she was just kind of rolled her eyes at me, and she was like, "Whatever." Like while I was actively talking to her, and she w- went back to looking at her phone, and she was tapping on it. That set me off so bad. Yeah. I just pulled my hand back. I slapped the phone out of her hand. I was like, look at me when I'm fucking talking to you. Yeah. And she, her, I'd never seen her eyes like get so big before. Yeah. And then at that point, I lost like any ground of whatever I was talking about before that. I was like, nah, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So anyway, um, I I get out of the Navy. I'm, I'm a bum for, for a couple of months, just kind of like chilling. And then I go back to working at this uh, cabinet shop I worked at prior to me joining the navy it was a it's a cool job it's one of those jobs where they hire felons because they just need bodies to like build shit sure you know so i i met a bunch of cool friends with that have a lot of colorful personalities there right there yeah probably a different it, different type of past you know? yeah 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 and and that and i i love that job for that reason because like i've never been to jail i've never been to prison but like i i met like several people there at that job that had one of them had been in prison for like 10 years. Yeah. So like I've heard so many cool prison stories from him yeah. and, and like, just like life advice that he learned from prison, you know? And so like, like I'm doing that job for a while. And then, uh, I, I meet Tito at the, at the, at the improv thing. And then I started doing comedy and I started doing comedy initially just to get me out of the house. I yeah. just need something to get me out of the house. And then after a while, I was like, this is, I mean, I've always enjoyed comedy. I mean, yeah. who doesn't like laughing, you know? Right. Fucking Darth Vader or something. Sure, like. yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone who sucks. Yeah, someone who <laughs> sucks. Um, and so, uh, like, I start doing it more and more. And then I start realizing after a while that there's, like, a pattern to it. And so, like, I hate when people say you can't teach comedy. I don't believe that. I, there yeah. is a rhythm and a pattern to it. And, like, 
I don't know if people are just unwilling to teach it or they just don't know how to teach. Because yeah. I know the act of teaching is a skill in and of itself. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Sure. And so, like, you have to uh, – I don't know what it is. But, like, like I've been trying to, like, learn. And that's what one of the things I value most about, like, learning about improv. Because, like, they there's, like, a, a structure to their, their improv. And they're like, this is funny because of this. Mm-hmm. That there's – this is going to be funny because we're setting up this foundation and then we're going to break that reality by doing this. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think like I the thing that I always kind of think is uh, I I think I'm above or not above I think I'm of the knowledge that you also can't teach it but mm-hmm. I think you can coach it yeah which is a, a little bit different right like mm-hmm. teaching something is like in, in my mind the way I'm processing it right now I haven't put a ton of thought into it mm-hmm. but um, I'm giving you the skills for math I'm, yeah I'm I'm showing you this. This is the structure. This is the actual input output, or, or this is the input. This is what your output should be. Right. Whereas when you get coaching, you showed up. I can't give you more speed. I can't give you more agility, mm-hmm. but I can show you the structure. Okay. Right. You move yeah. this way. So this is what I suggest. Or you know what? Because you aren't as fast, we're going to line you seven yards off the ball or whatever the case may be. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that when someone shows up with material, and presents it, you can go, you know what? I like what you did, but what if we did this? Or, hey, right. I don't think this was funny, but I think mm-hmm. you have something there by yeah. suggesting this. Right. Because, I like, to some extent, I don't know that you can just give someone material. And I don't think right. that's something you were suggesting. Yeah. But I, that's when I when I think of it. I don't I don't necessarily think you can teach comedy. And that's why I, I disagree yeah. in some some way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I agree in that sense. Like, you can give someone all the tools, but a comedy is an art form of um, – unless you're just, like, like a, an evil genius at lying, you know? Sure. At just, like, making stories, which that's a skill in and of itself. Oh, like, I can't. Like, <laughs> I can't. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, we've all met the, those type of people where, like, 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 you could definitely be a cult leader, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, like – like I, like like what's Batman without his um without his tools right you know 100%, so so yeah. like like I mean he's he's a he's a rich martial artist you know right like at the at end of the day you can't take away someone's uh personal experiences from them right and so like you give someone to like all the tools to build a house but they won't necessarily make the same houses that you built you know right. what I'm saying right so like that that's I I think. I think that's what people mean when they say you can't teach comedy because, like, I could I could show you everything that I found that has worked for me. Yeah. And, like, maybe for other people. Like, uh, but, like, I can't really show you – I can't teach you how to use it that's best for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting, right? Because, like, ultimately, when someone presents something, very quickly we go, funny, not funny. Mm-hmm. And laughing is the purest form of that, right? A lot right. of time, laughing is just, oh, I, I didn't control that. It just happened. Like, oh, that's funny. Right. But it's so weird because someone can just come up with something and you just go, mm, I don't think it's I don't think it's funny. Yeah. And, and like, that that's the wildest part to comedy for me, right? Like, you can always tell when something's intense. The moment's intense. The situation's intense. The way you describe the story um, of the two guys, right? One guy's trying to stab the other. That's an intense story. You can feel that. Yeah. 
you just did that with details mm-hmm. but it's like what like how is it that something just made someone out loud breathe uncontrollably like what is it that comedy's doing that makes people do that you know yeah. what i mean and and i think it's for different reasons uh sometimes 100%. So, sometimes uh uh you wrote a joke a certain way cuz you tell yourself this person's going to laugh because of this yeah but some people in the audience might be laughing for an entirely different reason. Right. And like, that's the wild thing about it. You know? Yeah. So one time, this was one of the craziest things I ever uh, witnessed. There was uh, this comic in the scene for a while. His name was, uh, well, his name is Jesse James. He's not dead. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's still his name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still his name. Um, so there, um, so uh, for uh, there was this open mic. It happened on Monday. It was called Back Alley. It was at Back Alley Draft House. It was called Robot Laser Kitten Monday Mike. It was run by John Quayar and uh, Kevin Baca. And uh, so like before Jesse goes up, uh, Kendra Brand she uh, did her set. You know, it's an open mic, so you have your notes up there with you. Sure. And like Kendra set uh, that particular night at at that open mic uh it didn't hit like n- not a lot of people laugh sure. and you can kind of see her like oh whatever bad set and sure. she like legit forgot her notes there on the stage oh la- not on the stage but like on the table that was like next to the microphone yeah like she like genuinely forgot to grab them when she walked away and then jesse james g- goes up after her <laughs> and he's like Oh, what's this right here? And then, like, he gra- he kind of talks like that. And then he he grabs her her uh, notes. He does her entire set, and it fucking hit. <laughs> oh. And that proved to me that you could be a good joke writer. So, like, structurally, your jokes could be sound, yeah. but the other equation is that you need to be a salesman. You have to be able to sell those jokes. Mm-hmm. The okay, you you hit a major fucking point there. The other night, uh, when we did like the tractor brewing um, comedy contest, while we were all in the back waiting for the contest to start, Steph Darnell said, which again, it's back to that simple, simple explanation, but it meant so much in that moment. He was like, you got to believe this shit because if you don't, no one else will. Mm-hmm. He's like, you got to believe the shit that you're saying yeah. because if not, like, you got to be so fucking confident in what the fuck you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. Yeah, that makes sense. Because ultimately, like, if I don't come out here with confidence and I don't just say it, people yeah. will go, oh, like, w- like hesitant or, like, feel bad instead of, like, laughing. You know what yeah. I mean? Come up with sympathy and you're like, that's – I'm not trying to make you feel sympathetic. No, not at all. Yeah. And, and, like, that goes into, like, acting, really. Yeah. Uh, where, like, you have to sell that joke. And so I know – so, like, I'm a big wrestling nerd. I love WWE, AEW, yeah. all that all right. type of stuff. Not Gro- Greco-Roman wrestling. What are you talking about, nerd? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's my favorite, dude. Come on, man. <laughs> I saw that. Not, not Greg. Not Greco-Roman, but I do. I do love freestyle, and I still yeah, watch yeah, it. Yeah. The funny, actually, that you bring that up. I had a I had a podcast before this where I was like talking about coaching, talking about sports, and it was something that it kind of uh, bummed me out because all we talked about was sports. There's only so many times you can talk to a coach and be like, how do you motivate unmotivated athletes and all that kind of stuff? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to talk to people about them. Just yeah, like, yeah. People have cool stories. People yeah. have a lot of experience, right? Yeah. Um, but in that experience of doing that, I talked to three girls that ended up wrestling for the United States team. One girl who ended up getting bronze in the Tokyo Olympics recently. So it was just nice. like doing that was 
amazing, but this is much more fun to me of just talking to people about them because mm-hmm. there's a lot of stories that can be had. But to your point, though, you're talking about uh, WWE. You're talking about AEW. You're yeah, talking about yeah. wrestling. Um, I can't remember your where you're going with. That. Um, I apologize. I, I was saying. Uh, oh, I was going. I was going to say that. Um, acting. Uh, that, and- uh, oh yeah, acting. So like. Every wrestler, they have a gimmick. They have a shtick that they're trying yeah. to do. Like the Undertaker, he moves. He's a very big guy and he's strong, but because he's quote unquote a dead guy, he has very slow, deliberate movements, and he had to move that way. You yeah. Know? Uh, and then Vince McMahon chose uh, the guy's real name is Mark Calloway. He chose him specifically because he needed a big guy that had no personality. Yeah. <laughs> right? Sure. And then and and so like basically at the end of the day, some of the best wrestlers, not all of them, but some of the best ones were their real life personalities turned up to 11, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like Stone Cold Steve Austin, he doesn't like fucking like crack open two uh beer cans at the same time, clash them together and then like like guzzle them Drains like above them, right? his head. Yeah. Even though that's fucking cool to see, you know, we all want to do do stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, he, he's someone like nowadays, uh, he has, he makes his own beer and like he, he, he might drink, I'm sure he drinks something like every day, but like yeah. he doesn't like get belligerently drunk. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah. So like, so like it goes into like, you could have like a good idea for something, but you need to be able to sell it. Like there's this one wrestler, his name is uh Bray Wyatt. So at least when he was with WWE, he's not with WWE right now. He, uh. He went under the name Bray Wyatt, and his gimmick was like a a, a satanic hillbilly, right? <laughs> right. I know. And he yeah. had two followers. They he 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 had a he he wear a tank top with like a short sleeve button up shirt, like over that it was unbuttoned. He had like the the straw hat. He'd be he'd be wearing like white pants with some. Uh, uh, penny loafers he'd be like chill, like chilling in his rocking chair he had his his lantern he had um his two sweaty looking muscly guys like next to him they'd be like chilling in the swamps and they'd um and he'd like spew out all this weird like cult like type of like jargon and then he'd he'd uh, he would do like a spider walk in the ring before he did his uh his uh his finishing move and that was like extra impressive because he was like a big fat guy and yeah. he had the flexibility and the strength to spider walk around the uh, ring it's like whoa yeah now bray wyatt was able to sell that and rewind the clock 10 15 years ago into the early 90s late 80s there was another guy that had that same exact gimmick yeah and uh they were trying to push push him for a little bit but like and he he went under a different name, but it was the same exact gimmick. Sure. And they um he couldn't sell it, and like the gimmick didn't go over because he couldn't sell it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, I, one of the things I've loved about wrestling is that wrestling is always has always been a reflection of society at the time. And okay. and they try to base some of their gimmicks around that. Yeah. So like during the '90s when there was a very rebellious like fuck you uh period of time yeah like like american history x was like in theaters and so like uh like it was very uh, like everything was pretty much i'm not uh fuck you i won't do what you tell me you know, rage against the machine type right, of stuff right. so like um that kind of spawned like factions that included triple h sean michaels a few other people into a, a group called Degeneration X, and that was their whole gimmick. It was like, "Fuck you! I'm not gonna do what you tell me. I'm gonna do everything I want to do, yeah. and I'm I'm gonna do these 
like sometimes it was debaucherous, sometimes it was blatantly disrespectful for the sake of being disrespectful just to see that look on your face. Not necessarily because I believe in doing this. Yeah. I just want to see that look on your face. Right. Yeah. So it was a very like rebellious time. And you know, now that time's progressed and like even like so like so like are you are you like into like watching like bodybuilding or whatever? Uh, or like, like aware of like how it's kind of like transitioned over time. A, a little bit, I was about to say. I, so like, I don't. All right, I, 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 so like, obviously, I'm not a bodybuilder, but like, <laughs> <laughs> don't I'm, make me say. I'm it. the no, sickest, <laughs> sickest skinny bodybuilder you've ever seen. Yeah. No, so like, you know, back in the day, like when Arnold Schwarzenegger was like the man in yeah. like the household name for bodybuilding. He yeah. had, he was like real like small waist, big upper body, and yeah. like he had sculpted legs, but they weren't like huge you know sure whereas like uh lou ferrigno the guy that played the hulk he mm-hmm. had, he they, they kind of had like a competition going on at the time he had like big legs anyway um time time goes on time goes on if you look at bodybuilders now a lot of them have like bubble guts have you noticed that they kind of have like large stomach like they you could see a six-pack but it's like a like it's bulging out you know what yeah, i'm saying I, I i get where you're coming from like it's not um they don't have that the tiny waist they're, they're like it comes down to like a stocky like mid frame. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So like everything just kind of like changes with the times. And I fucking forgot what I was where I was going with this. You're talking <laughs> about wrestling. Things changing with the times. Changing. Oh yeah, changing with the times. Oh yeah. So um, thank you for thank you. For I got you. that. Uh, so like uh like I'm listening. If you, if I you, yeah. So a lot of the wrestlers <laughs> like back in the day they were like big bulky guys. And uh, if you look at a lot of the wrestlers like nowadays. There's some guys that are like big guys, but they're sure. not like like steroid big. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of them are are like CrossFit big. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 big, but they're like 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 Seth Rollins is probably a good example. I uh, if I remember correctly, he's someone that like really uh, like goes hard into like uh, CrossFit type of training. Mm-hmm. So like he he has strength, he has flexibility, he has speed, mobility. He can like do all kinds of crazy stuff, but but like. Wrestling being what it is, you you still got need you still need those body guys. So like, sure. so basically they kind of rely on on people that are just like born naturally big, like like yeah. a Big Show or a Braun Strowman. Yeah. So like those are gonna be like their body guys. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see as many like like stereotypical bodybuilders in wrestling as you used to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was gonna say like the the big meatheads. You can tell you can pick them out of a lineup. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think stand-up comedy is a lot uh, – is in the same respect where it's kind of like a reflection of society at the time. At, you know, at the end of the day, stand-up comedians are kind of like the modern-day evolution of a clown, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, just entertainment is kind of – it's kind of weird to watch, like, how uh, entertainment's kind of evolved through through the years. But um, before I forget, there's this cool, uh, like – 20, 30 minute conversation uh, between Bill Burr and Stone Cold Steve Austin, and they okay. both talk <laughs> yeah. about like the similarities of it. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a cool thing to listen I'll to. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, because I, I, um, I listened to the Pat McAfee show quite yeah. a bit, and they had Stone Cold Steve Austin on there, which is, I, I thought it was funny because I, I don't pay a ton of attention to wrestling, mm. but it was awesome to listen to him talk about the WWE, talk about wrestling, talk about his time there. Mm hmm. And then I love Bill Burr. So I can only imagine yeah. that conversation between the two of them. Guys yeah. that have just done it at a high level for so long. Yeah. And both of them both of them are at a high level of their respective field. And yeah. like one of their big uh, 
a common talking points is trying to get a pop out of the audience. Yeah. And, and like they, they both like, I noticed like when I do, did it like this, I like, and, and like, that's great. And that's the crazy thing about wrestling too. Is like, you could do jokes in Albuquerque that would hit that don't go over well in Santa Fe and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. Right? Which is not very far. Yeah. But it's and, still, yeah. And wrestling is the same way. You can be like the hometown hero in Texas and you, you could be a fucking villain in Oregon. You know? Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of nuts because like even if you really think about it there's some jokes that could go over really well in albuquerque that don't go over well in rio rancho yeah which is kind of interesting because yeah. there's just different crowds you yeah. just never know it goes into uh like political beliefs just personal beliefs yeah. like there's so many like variables that go into this it's what's not... what's the joke that you've done that just didn't go over well like just just give me a, a taste of <laughs> on stage or that... in on stage or in a conversation <laughs> so conversation's tough right because I, it's like... I could tell you a conversation where it didn't go over well okay yeah. so i was uh, so so when i was in the navy i uh i got into taking uh ballroom dancing lessons right mm -hmm. so like i learned how to ballroom dance swing salsa like i learned a bunch of d different styles of dance i wanted to keep that up after i got out of the navy because like you know chicks love to dance you know i'm sure. gonna try to hook up with as many chicks as i can if not sure. find my future wife whatever you sure. know so I, there's this one dance studio it's on it's kind of like a – it's on Central. I think it's called Maple Street Dance Studio. I don't – I could be butchering the name. Um, it's on, kind of like in the Knob Hill area. Anyway, gotcha. like I'm going to one of their th things after I'm out of the Navy, and I'm talking to this one chick where – and I think she was French if I remember right. And like we were hitting it off, and her uh, – uh, she introduces me to her friend, and like we're having a pleasant conversation. And I didn't even tell one of the jokes I wrote you know, because I was already in comedy at this time. Uh, I, I was just telling like one of like a street joke, you know, sure. a garage joke, you know, yeah. what, f like one of those jokes that are like, kind of like, man, whatever. Yeah. And I think the joke was, uh, uh, fuck what it was, uh. It, it was a Michael Jackson joke. I know there's two, <laughs> which one was it? I think I told, I, I told him like. Hey, uh, uh, what does uh, what does Michael Jackson and Sears have in common? They both have little boys' pants half off. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> or, it was I. I don't remember. It was either that one or uh, what does Michael Jackson and McDonald's have in common? They both have fifty-year-old meat between ten-year-old buns. Oh, something geez. like that. It was one of those two. Sure. I don't remember. Have you ever heard the one? It's like like oh, there's a there's a bunch that I, I remember of like the Michael Jackson. But one of my favorite one was uh, what do uh michael jackson and xbox have in common yeah is that both of them went from white to black and both of them are turned on by little boys <laughs> or or uh, black to white and then both of them are turned on by little boys that one was one of my favorites i heard that in like 2008 or something like, nice oh, that, i've never so heard that dumb. one that was that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. and so like not the french chick i was talking to but her friend she was like she was like like I don't like Michael Jackson, but like she got like sincerely offended at the joke. And yeah, yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. Well here, let me try to recover it uh, from it. And I told another street joke. It was so like, I know this is an audio podcast, so I have to like, this joke goes into like using like a hand gesture. So sure. it, it hits. So, uh, like I, um, fuck. How's it, how's the phrase you say? Uh, like, like, uh, what's the difference between a Nazi and a gay Nazi? Yeah. It's like 50 degrees. And then you do like the Nazi salute, but then you limp yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. hand at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. And so like I told her that 
And that really sent her into a spin. <laughs> oh, yeah, you doubled yeah. down on a pedophile joke into a Nazi it, it, joke. It, it, and and it, Nazi slash gay, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like her oh, friend. Oh, you're hitting all the topics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, fucking, like you said earlier, you got a cannonball into it. Commit to it. Yeah. Sure. And, uh, and so she... As she was someone, uh, and so she she was gay, and she was like, you know, I, I you know, I like that's very cynical. That's that's offensive. Like that's like I'm gay. I don't do that. Uh, and like I'm trying to like not make enemies. I'm like it's just a joke. I'm just a joke. You know, and like like I don't typically like try to offend people. You yeah, know? <laughs> but correct correct me if I'm wrong though. Hitting someone with a "it's just a joke" is yeah. very much pouring gasoline on. That yeah, part. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, just a th- joke. They're th- like. Fuck, yeah, like, yeah. This was <laughs> fuck. When did this happen? This was back in like late 2016, early 2017. It was like a long yeah. time ago, and so like like I'm trying to like like do my what I thought was best to try to like like not make enemies, and uh, <laughs> and she just wouldn't have it. And then you know because her friend is her friend, she was like, hey, yeah, that's not right either. Yeah, and then. I went, I was like, all right, whatever. So, like, we stopped talking. So, I started talking to, like, like so, I started talking to another ch- uh, chick, at, like, at that same, at that same night. Like, yeah, yeah. five minutes later, I'm dancing sure. with, like, another chick there. And I was like, like, can you believe what just happened? I told her what just happened. Mm. And I told her the joke. And the, she started laughing. Oh, and she was, and, and that's the crazy thing about comedy. Like, she was like, I'm gay. And I thought that was funny. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. It, you yeah. just you just never know too. Like that's the Yeah. That's sometimes a, you gotta ask yourself, aspect. was I being like like ignorantly offensive or was that person too sensitive? You know? Yeah. Or like I don't know what, what that person's experiences were. Yeah. And I, you, well you never know too, like it could have just been where someone like and this this sucks because I I'm a firm believer of like you get a pass if it's funny. Yeah. In that situation, I think it's funny. So yeah. I think you get a pass. However, I also get that and I'm a very much so of the thought that if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, and I don't call it Murphy's law. I call it Staley's law. It's, just, <laughs> it's the way it's always been for my family. Mm-hmm. So I'm a worst case scenario kind of guy. And I, I uh, not to be doom and gloom, but I think of that shit. So I, I, I'd only give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I can only imagine if like earlier that morning, all of a sudden, like, you know, one of her family members was just like, was like, you, you went off and did this or you went off. You know what I mean? It's just having a bad day. Yeah. And then you just tell a joke, which is what it is. It's a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. So it's, I, I'm not sitting here and being like, I hate gay people. It's yeah, told a no. joke. Yeah. But she received it as fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I try to be very cognizant of how I come across to people. Yeah. Cause like even you can like be the best salesman in the world, but like, a certain look will give a certain impression, yep. you know. So, so like, like I, you've been around, you know Tyler Lovely, yeah. Like you, you know how he looks. I'm not dish dissing on Tyler. Oh, I love dude, you, we Tyler. We got some Tyler Lovely hate, brother. Let's go. <laughs> but Let's like, go. But like Tyler's look, like with his jokes. Let me know if you want another one. Uh, I'll take another truly for yeah. sure. Yeah, Thank you. Any flavor? Uh, any flavor? Yeah. Appreciate you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, like. Like I could probably tell Tyler's jokes, but they wouldn't hit as hard as like ty- the way Tyler tells them. Sure, you know. Yeah. And so like I try to be like as cognizant as as much as I can of how I come across to people because like I always look back on not always, but like whenever I think about that situation, I always think like 
did I come across a certain way that in her experience were like, oh shit, this guy's gearing up for a gay bash, you know? Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm not. I was just trying right. to like make friends as best make, as I could. Make, make a joke. Make a joke. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't go over well. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's the freaking worst, man. Like, yeah. Like, like I always, and like, so like I kind of grew up with uh, like the mentality of uh, like someone doesn't like you unless they're mean to you, you know? Does that yeah. make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, because exactly, like, yeah. like I, I know. I think about that. I don't know why I had to think of that yeah. so long. But yes, yeah, yeah like, no, exactly. Like I know some people were like, if they're only nice to you, like they definitely don't like you because they yeah. don't feel comfortable. They don't feel comfortable enough to make those type of uh, like crude humor type of jokes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Or it's not even that they are nice to you. People are just indifferent to you. Yeah, that's the worst. Mm. They're just kind of like, eh, yeah, they're just that person's just here. Like, yeah, I don't want to engage with them, but I also don't hate them. Just like yeah. they're over there. Yeah. Whereas if you make fun of them, it's like I feel comfortable enough to say that around you. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, get that yeah. for sure. That is the worst. So like I, I would tell I, I, I've told a couple of people just I'm very early on in like this stand up journey. Mm. And I, I've had friends that are like, what is like bombing like? And I'm like. Every single person at some point has told a joke either to an individual or a group setting and it hasn't hit and you do one of a couple things. You may try to explain the joke, which has never worked for anyone. I was about <laughs> yeah. to say, may, may get like 50% of the laugh that you wanted. Yeah. Um, or people just move on, but you have that gut wrenching like, oh, I thought that was funny. Like you have that, like it sits in like the pit of your stomach and you're just like, oh, Okay, but the nice part about a conversation is the conversation keeps going. Yeah. You have no one else when you're up on stage, something doesn't hit, and you're just like, okay, mm-hmm. I now have to keep going. Yeah. And people are like, oh, he changed up. That means his joke didn't work, and usually it works even less afterwards. Yeah. Oh, it is such an awful feeling. Yeah. That's why sometimes when I – uh, there's been a couple times where I've went up on stage and told a joke that people were kind of like uh, iffy about. And I said, like, I'm going to go harder into the paint because I know before I even came up on stage, most of you weren't going to talk to me after that. So in a sense, kind of fuck you. I'm going to keep on saying these jokes that I think are funny. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I've said that at like at like the, one time I was doing a, a the a before they moved to Founders, uh, that same open mic was being held at in, Inside, Inside Out. Out. Mm-hmm. And I was telling a wrestling joke that I knew that I was going to be the only one that found it funny because, like, wrestling's not nearly as big as it was in the 90s, early 2000s. Sure. And I said, fuck y'all, that one was for me. Yeah, and, like, dude. that was the the real punchline within the whole joke. And someone, like, f- uh, was driving by in their car when I was walking to my car after the mic. Some complete stranger, they're like, hey, fuck you, that was for me. I really like that. I'm going to start using it. And then they drove off. <laughs> That's the, like, it's so funny because it is nice to get a laugh out of a friend or it's it's fun to get out of a friend, a family member, whoever, close mm-hmm. confidant. Someone's like, no, that's funny. But a lot of times, and, and you know, this is just from my own experience, is that a lot of family or friends want to make you feel better and they want to be encouraging. Yeah. Right? They go, no, that was funny. That was funny. Yeah. Hearing that's- that outside from someone you don't know mm-hmm. that they, like... You may never run into ever again. They go, dude, that was funny. Yeah. Oh, it's 
night and day just fucking awesome. I just made yeah. a complete stranger laugh yeah. from my thoughts. I'm a firm believer in toxic positivity. Don't yeah. lie to me. Yeah. If that was garbage, fucking tell me that was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I had to tell a couple of friends at one open mic, which was so funny because it ended up being an absolute fucking nightmare. But I was like, if I'm not funny, don't laugh. Like, just don't. Like, I'm not going to learn from that, from you guys giggling, right? And everyone else yeah. is like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. if it's not funny, don't laugh. Like, yeah. I just need to know it's not funny. Yeah. yeah, same thing goes into martial arts. If my moves aren't working, don't sell it like you're a wrestler. Fuck it. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, fucking absorb the blow. Tell me that was a weak punch so I can, like, better my form. Because what if I come across a serial killer on the street and I have to, like, use my shit and, like, oh, man, none of this stuff, none of these martial arts from Wish are working, you know? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and, the, like, it is a little bit unfair to some extent, right? Like, an open mic can be so fucking ruthless. The, the tough part of an open mic is especially the ones I've, I've been to or, or the few amounts I've been to in Albuquerque is everyone there, I shouldn't say everyone, 50% of the people there are comedians. So they're probably nervous. They're also trying out some jokes. Yeah. So they may not even be paying attention. Yeah, they're thinking about their jokes if they haven't gone on stage yet so they don't yep. fuck up. And that was like one of my biggest hurdles going up because like respect is a big thing to me. Mm -hmm. And so like I'm like, these fucking people aren't even listening to me. What the fuck? Yep. You know? <laughs> yep. And, yeah. And then you realize like half of them are trying jokes. Yeah. And then you realize like, you're like, why did like half of the room laughed at that? Or like some yeah. people laughed at that. It's like, Oh, a lot of people are comedians. But yeah. the thing I'll say is like, that is also a fun, extremely great uh, indicator that you wrote some funny shit is when the whole room laughs and you have comedians forgetting about their jokes for a couple seconds. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, that was funny. It's like, fuck. Like, when you have that moment of, damn, I, I actually have something here, continue to find what's funny about that. Yeah. It's a great fucking feeling. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I take this saying from Roy Wood Jr. because it's probably one of the truest things I've ever heard about comedy is like, when you get the whole room laughing from start to finish, it is the highest of highs. Yeah. There is nothing better than that. Yeah. And then the opposite is also true. When no one's laughing at at what you're Anything. saying, because what you're saying, those are your thoughts, right? Yeah. And that's, you're being like one of the most vulnerable times you'll, you'll be within your day. And when no one's laughing, that is also the lowest of lows. <laughs> I just like, here's the thing. Like I haven't done a set more than like six minutes. But I've gone to an open mic for four minutes and just, like you said, no one laughs. Or worse, like, again, back to that point of, like, a pity laugh when someone just kind of goes, ha-ha, like, because they're uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And that's fair. I'm not saying that people shouldn't do that if they're uncomfortable and they have a natural reaction to try to chuckle. Mm -hmm. I get it. But it's like, oh, that feeling also fucking sucks. Like, mm -hmm. no one really thinks you're funny. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that thought process sucks, too. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, comedy is such a fun and just like entertaining world. You so the first time the first time I think I saw you perform was at the roast battle. What was that experience like for you? At the roast battle, uh the one where I uh ate shit against Thomas Cabil uh Tomas Cabildo. Maybe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like maybe. Sure. I was like but I remember I remember watching you perform, but I also was going after you. So I like wasn't 
entirely paying attention, mm. but I do remember you suited up and stuff. But did you? So you ate shit, is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I like bad. Not to make you repeat it, Jesus Christ. That was, <laughs> that was so fucked up. I am so sorry. I did oh, not. No. I said I it not first. Mean, okay. I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So you ate shit, right? Yeah. Tell me about you eating shit. God damn, that was so fucked up. My bad. My uh, bad. I don't uh, like doing that. I set uh, you up for failure. That, that's, that's my what, fault. That's what I love about the comedy community. They're, they're like, oh, you ate. That's all. Uh, that time I met you, That uh, uh, that's when you ate shit, right? Yeah, that's, a, that's when no one laughed at your jokes, right? <laughs> Fuck. We were just talking about how the, how disparaging it is. Uh, it was like, so let's bring up one of those low moments you had. Fuck, dude. My bad. Okay. We can move forward with this. No, it's all good. Nice. That's how you get stronger. Oh, my gosh. Um, is, uh, that the only, is that the only roast battle you've been in? I've been in in a few roast battles. I've gone up against Josh Fournier. I've gone up against Courtney Foster. Not I. I went up against Courtney Foster at the Social Club, not at uh the Revel at mm-hmm. Revel the Revel open uh, roast battles. Uh, Tomas. Um, those are the only three I'm thinking of right now, dude. I swear, any anything, any com any competition relating to comedy I've ever ever entered into. I've lost every fucking one, Oof. and like, it it like it it's humbled me. It's comedy's been a very humbling experience for me because yeah. I'm like I'm like okay, I'm gonna regroup. I'm gonna do it like this next time. And then there's definitely uh, uh, the roast battle against Tomas. I didn't put the time into writing jokes like I know I should have. Yeah. I was I had enough experience and know how under my belt to like know okay, I need to set time aside to write for this guy because at the time i didn't know know the guy i like i still don't know him that well but like especially then i was like man i i'm the only jokes i i could think to write is like from his appearance you know yeah and like whatever but like that there was like a couple times where like 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 so like when I, the first time I win anything or place in a comedy, whatever, which I actually I'll be in a comedy competition tomorrow in Santa Fe. Nice. Yeah, and I'm like my goal is to place. I'm not gonna try to win. Oh, I mean, I'm gonna try to win. You know, it, like, not, yeah, yeah, gonna, that's a weird a, thing to say. I don't want to say yeah, that. Yeah. I don't want to. You're say like that. you're like flashing the Incredibles. Yeah. You're not trying to win the race. You're yeah, just trying yeah. to come in second. Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna like. I'm always trying my best and like I'm trying to learn like how to be human. I don't know what that means, but like I I want to try to learn how to be we all want everyone to do good, but at the end of the day everyone I firmly believe this wants to be the funniest person that night, you yeah. know? 100%. Yeah. And no one wants to go up there and be like, "You know what? I just want these people to kind of remember me." Yeah. Like, "Oh no, I want these people to know I'm funny." Yeah. Yeah. I get exactly. It. And I, that's partly why I'm like pretty true to myself when I'm I'm on stage because like I know there's a slice of the pie that that's that's gonna find that's gonna understand where I'm coming from and I'm gonna make them laugh. On the other side of that coin, I know I have to like learn how to be uh like not I don't want to be so niche only two people in the audience are laughing you know right so like. I, I know I'm still like learning on this journey so I can get the whole room laughing. Yeah. So like whether it's like like the not the con whether it's the content, the uh the joke structure, my delivery, the way I look, my energy, whatever it is. I'm trying to like fine tune every single thing. You know? Yeah. You're trying you're trying to figure out all the dynamics. Yeah. And I'm kind of like focusing what I'm kind of doing right now is like I'm focusing on one thing at a time because I believe in whole assing one thing and not half assing two things you know what i'm saying no i get that and then like that's i mean it's scientific right like yeah you can only you got to control everything and then have one be the 
not the constant. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Once or once the variable that. What the fuck is the word I'm thinking? Of? I'm drawing a huge mind blank. You have one constant, and then you have the other variable that is the uh, independent. Right? Yeah. Like I'm kind of like a college kid that's not fun to be a friend with, you know? Because yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like I'm putting all I'm dedicating all my time to learning how to be a doctor of like, like learning how to talk to people. Sure. So like, I don't have time to like be a fun person if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. But the, you're you're, yeah. you're drowning in books, but you're not hanging out with people. Exactly. Yeah, you're trying to you're to focus on one area. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. I the. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Go no, ahead, you're good. You're good. I was, you're I was good. like trying to, trying to find that thought. So you're doing a comedy contest in Santa Fe. How many comedians are going to be on that show? Uh, if I remember the line, I think there's like, there's like around ten people on on the lineup. If I remember, like, is in, it similar it, to the Tractor Brewing First Friday comedy contest? Like, does everyone have the same amount of time? In a basic, in short, yes, but it's it's the same thing, but in Santa Fe. Okay. Yeah. 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 In, in a sense yeah yeah uh if i rem- off the top of my head uh april thomas is also on the show Courtney nice. foster josh nice. fournier um a bunch of other people lucas corvada is on it as well uh i don't know if you met him uh there there's a there's a bunch of, at least 10 people on the show yeah yeah i think uh luis uh powell moreno is on on it as well yeah yeah do you mind if we take a quick pause? I got oh, that's cool. so bad. That's cool. Like, that's cool. cool. Let's take a quick pause. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that's one of the things I hated most about the military. When you had when, – because your analysis is random. Mm-hmm. And like you got picked and you you had a – it was usually a chief that was running your analysis. If he had to get home early, he was like like eyeballing you. Like He was like almost giving you a dad look like you better be drinking a gallon of water right now so you like can piss like in 10 minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> and then – Man, like I hated that so much. Yeah. Like you would, you would fi- finally piss, uh, so you could give your sample, and then you'd be pissing the rest of the day. Yeah, just like I, yeah, I have no control over this. Yeah, uh, we were just talking about the comedy contest. Anytime that I see Josh Fournier on anything, I immediately tense up because I'm like, that dude is so fucking funny. Yeah, like he's dude, good. Oh. He, he's put in his time. Josh, he, it, truly, yeah, he, he's a great guy. He's put in his time. Um. I when I look back on myself when I was first uh, like getting into comedy 2016 2017 I kicked myself in the ass cuz like I was kind of a shithead at the time <laughs> I mean like like in terms of like my philosophy like 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 I I hate I hate my old self for thinking that it was dumb to go to every single stage you possibly could to get stage time. Yeah. And like I would I would see Josh like going to fucking Durango and like in my my brain I was like you're going to drive all the way to Durango so like you, that's the time driving over there timing back. You're going to spend the money on the gas like to go over there and coming back for like X amount of time and like for what? Like I started looking at it like Man, you and he's grinding, he's grinding, he's grinding. Like you, you're running on a treadmill, but you're not going anywhere. You know, yeah. That's the way I, I was looking at it. I was so wrong. Like, yeah. like it's because Josh was doing those things that he's as good as he is now. Right. And like he was, he was doing it right. His martial arts is stronger than mine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird, right? Because like the the metaphor of like being on a treadmill that makes a lot of sense, right? Mm-hmm. You think you're not getting anywhere. It's like, oh, actually, like he's crawling, but I'm sitting. 
Yeah. It's like it, it's it's nuts to be like. Yeah. Okay, you're not moving very far. It's like you're a foot away yeah. from me. Now I, you're ten feet away from me. Yeah. Now I, yeah. this football field away from me. You're like, oh fuck, like, dude's just going. Yeah. I what I've learned. I forgot who who said this, but like someone said, uh, like don't fault someone for making progress even if they're moving slow. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. That is a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me like. Just a little bit every day does a huge difference. Yeah. He, it, like, uh, th- I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Right? So you op- or you opened up, hosted, whatever you want to call it, uh, for Josh at the Dry Heat Comedy Club. How did that come to be? Did he choose you? Did they he give chose him a- me, yeah. Nice. He, uh, uh, I mean, it was kind of funny because, like, I didn't know I was the host till the day. And like, I was like, oh, really? Which, yeah. uh, which, which is cool. I, I mean, sure. like, I like I've been doing the garage long enough now where I feel confident in my hosting skills. Yeah, because hosting is a different beast entirely. It's not. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a different muscle. It's more of an improv muscle, to be honest. Yeah, because like, and I, this might be a shitty thing to say or hear or whatever, but when you're when you're hosting, you're act, you have more active listening as a host than you do as a performer. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm I I'll be listening to your jokes more intently th- as a host than I will if I'm there as a uh performer, let alone a fan, you know? Because like yeah. even as a fan, I'm going to be there uh, like I'm I'm there to enjoy the show, but like if I have friends with me, I'm going to be talking to my friends and stuff too. Yeah. yeah. So like and like I'll be as respectful as I can and try to listen to everyone's show, but if someone's like talking to me i'll be like oh yeah blah 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 you know right but like as a host i have 100 percent attention on you yeah um now like i was like super honored uh josh picked me i was like sweet i'm doing something right in the garage uh like he said like i like your energy like i i like i like the way you you do your host thing so like i want you to be the host for today and uh I uh I I dress to impress like I I I, I uh, like I fully uh believe in and like I I believed in it before I heard it from like an established source where like your look will play into like whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. So like f- for a while out back when I first started out I was kind of like you you know who Christian is? Christian uh Christian R yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know how, uh, like, for a while he was, like, even now he would wear suits to every single open mic? Yeah. That was me when I first started. Gotcha. I used to wear suits to every single open mic. And, like, Christian has some sweet suits. I got some sweet suits, too. When I worked at the funeral home, I mean, even before I worked at the funeral home, I got my very first suit on deployment in Bahrain. It was a okay. custom-tailored suit. I still have it. Fucking nice. Yeah. And, and, like, once you put on your first custom-tailored suit, it's like, Whoa! This is, I feel like a different person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People treat you different. Yeah. People treat you different depending on how you look. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. And <laughs> and then uh, so like I, um, I I told myself I'm gonna get new suits, but like I need a reason to get new suits more yeah. than my desire to get new suits. Sure. So when I started working at a funeral home, I'm like, fucking, I got, that's the permission I needed. So how, I, how long ago did you work at a funeral home? I worked at a funeral home for about a year. Um, let me see. I judged time based on who I was dating at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
sorry, dude. That's so funny. You're like, okay, that's such. That might dude, be a guy thing to say. No, I don't know. That's so funny, dude. You you were treating girls like Adele albums, dude. She's like, like nineteen, twenty two, fucking thirty three. Okay, so that's Jenna, that's twenty eighteen. That's like, Christy. Like, oh, that's, that's Julian. Bro, yeah. you're just like you're just a fucking soundtrack to Mambo Number no. Five right now. Fucking, oh, that's so good. Okay, so um, who were you dating? What time period? Let me see. I definitely was dating Christy at the time. And like she was definitely could have been wife material if I wasn't retarded at the time, but fucking here we are now. No. Um, let me see, but like, cause I I was already working there before I dated her. Let's see, that was so like started dating her in May. So like it was like August September two thousand sixteen to into the later part of two thousand seventeen. So that's when I when I was working at the funeral home. Okay. So I uh. All right, all right, all right. This is like the perfect place to say this. So, like, I was working. <laughs> I so, don't like, know what that means. <laughs> oh, oh, you'll, you, 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 you. so, so I, uh, my thought process into going to it because I went into it thinking I was going to make a career out of it. Yeah, and like, I still might in the future because, sure. like, I'm not gonna lie. That first month when you work with dead bodies, it's very surreal. It's yeah. like, fuck, this is a dead motherfucker that right. died from this cause, you know? Yeah. At different ages, different, yeah. like, whatever. Car accidents, murders, suicides, at all age races, like, fucking, it's like, fucking, there's. Dead is, that is dead. Dead is dead. Yeah. It fucking, that, I think that's, <laughs> this might be, I'm going to say a nerdy thing right now. I think that's why everyone connects with The Undertaker so much. Because, like, Fair. dead is dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, my thought process going into it was, because uh, uh, I thought about it before I went into the Navy. And, like, even within the Navy, I was like, is there, like, a job to, uh, like, take care of the dead? Because, like, you know, fucking hand over foot, it's a macabre thing to think about. Like, we go into battle. We're in the, we're in a, if we go into battle, there's a, I mean, the army and the Marines at like hand to hand combat, they deal with it more than the Navy does in, sure. in, in a sense. But like, if you go into battle, there's a good chance you're going to uh, leave the battle with less people than you went in with. Sure. Right. So it's like, there has to be a job for that. Yeah. And there is, but like the Navy has like almost a single digit number of people that, that deal with it. Yeah. And so like, it's extremely hard to get into that field. And so the, the dock on my boat, which yes, there's only one medical professional on a submarine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, like on a fast tax submarine, there's 150 people in total. It, like that, that's a fucking wild thing to think about. So if doc yeah. dies in a sense, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we, uh, so I asked him, he's like, yeah, you're gonna have to do this, that, and I was like, I'm looking at like the prerequisites for getting into that type of field within the Navy. I'm like, it'd be more efficient with my time just to do it when I get out. So I get out. Uh, I'm I'm starting to just like put the word into everyone's ear, like, hey, I think this is what I want to do. And so finally, someone's like, hey, this guy that uh, knows someone that works at this funeral home, uh, like he he, uh, he can connect you with her. And then you can at least have an interview. So that happens. So uh, I end up meeting with, so I worked at Daniel's. I, like, I, there's no reason to be secretive about it. I worked sure. at, at Daniel's. No, now, at the time, and I'm sure it's still true today, Daniel's 
they're like a chain of funeral homes, at least within New Mexico. I don't know how they are outside of New Mexico. They, um, even though that you might not, uh, see the name Daniels on that funeral home, Daniels owns it. Daniels, okay. Daniels owns like a, a lot of funeral homes within, uh, Albuquerque. Uh, it's a I weird mean, thing it, to have the monopoly on, I guess. It, yeah. 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 Interesting. Uh, 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 so like they, um, and like they compete with each other, you know, I mean, yeah. bus- at the end of the day, business is business. Sure. Uh, but like I, I, so like I went to interview with the, uh, not only did she run the main care center, uh, cause the main care center for Daniels is on Carlisle. And uh, I met her. Uh, I shouldn't say her name. I'll. I'll I met with with her. She. Um, she was the not only like. Uh, she was like basically like the head of that location, and she was also the head mortician for that location. She. Um, uh, very good at work. Uh, she. Um, had the interview with me, and I was dressed up in like a partial suit. I had a vest, I had a tie, white shirt. I, I I had I had the black pants, the black vest, the black tie, white shirt. I didn't have the suit jacket at the time. Sure. That was before I got my custom tailored black suit. Um and she was impressed with like the look and and that just kinda like dives more that, that kind of fed more and more into my belief in like you like you're you you communicate with your clothes. I'm yeah. like, Oh shit. So like she was like, I'm very impressed. And like before I went to that interview, I YouTubed things to say in an interview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, Cause, and like, I rem- and like, I actually used one of the phrases from one of those videos and like one of the articles I read. And cause she asked me like, what's your experience with this? And like, I didn't know how to phrase it. Uh, but like, so I told her like, although, I'm I, I have these strengths. I'm also working on my weaknesses. And like I I left it at that and she was like, "Okay. Okay. Yeah. I dig it." <laughs> That's oh, you man. you're communicating so much uh, to me right now, William, and and at the time I didn't know what I was communicating to her. Yeah, I yeah. just knew it was a good thing to you communicate were, you to were her. You were sending it. Yeah. I I was sending a right message that I didn't know what I was sending. Saying, sure. you right. So like sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. Yeah. And but it's weird to it's weird to say something you know is right but you don't know what you're saying yeah you know what i'm saying yeah fucking saying 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 I'm yeah, like, yeah. More sense. you got that? it, you got <laughs> it. <laughs> um so like she was like all right well i'm gonna leave you here with the application you f- finish filling it out and then uh you you uh just go turn it into uh uh um i forgot who was who was the secretary at the front desk at the time and you just go uh give it to her so like I I was very, being very deliberate and like I fill out applications kind of slow mm-hmm. uh, at least at the time and so like I was filling it out and so like I go to turn into the front desk no one was there and I was like hello hello I'm walking around they forgot I was there and they locked me inside no the building shit they forgot I was there and they locked me inside the building so you're just chilling yeah so I'm calling um I'm calling the 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 woman I had the interview with and I'm like. Hey, blah blah blah. This is uh William. I just had an interview with you. I'm locked inside the funeral home right now. 
And oh like, I'm not, gosh. I'm not being like, I'm very, I'm direct for the sake of communication. I'm not direct for the sake of legality. Sure. Even though like that, those things just accidentally go hand in hand sure. for me. So like, I'm being like, blah, 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 blah. I'm inside your fucking funeral home right now. Get my ass out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh so like, gosh. she calls me like 30 minutes later, whenever she could get back to her phone, she's like, oh my God, William, I'm. How long? Yeah. <laughs> she was like, how long did it take you to fill out that thing? And like, I, in my head, I'm like, how the fuck did you fucking forget about me? Sure. Oh, <laughs> and, my God. And so I'm like, I don't know, but I'm, this is the, this is the, I, I like, I was trying to is, like save time. It doesn't matter how long it took me. This is the situation we're in right now. Get me the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, you know what? I actually was using the the wrong pen, so I had to get another. Fuck, yeah. get me out of here. Like, yeah. no, this is ridiculous. She was someone that that was my biggest pet peeve about her. She would always complain about like at the wrong time. I mean, there's a time and a place to complain about how to get how you got to somewhere. Sure. But she would have that conversation at the time when we should be having the conversation of how to deal with it. Sure. So like, I was like, um, this, how do I get out of the building? And yeah. so she was like, okay, you go through the back. This is the punch code to, uh, to undo the alarm. And then also what a wild move. You just got the punch code to the alarm. Yeah. So oh basically, uh, whether I was like, like, uh, qualified to, for that job or not. Cause I was, I was going in to be, uh, on transport just to like move the bodies from point A to point B. And, uh, I got, I, I feel like I got the job for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I mean, you can get inside, lo you can get locked inside McDonald's and then like, they forget about you and then you're going to walk out a Burger King. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But yeah. you're not going to be working at McDonald's. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you're just flipping burgers. You got, if, uh, like when you're around like someone's dead loved ones and you got like so you left someone inside that building that you didn't really know outside that 15 minute conversation um you're kind of forced to like all right i gotta trust this guy now yeah a hundred percent yeah so and, and like i had that joke with her i was like you hired me because i i got locked in here huh and she was like yeah i was like fuck <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> but oh, but funny. like uh, she was like i felt comfortable enough with you but like all right we can trust this guy so like I was on the transport staff. So what that job entailed was uh, we would pick up bodies from um, uh, uh, an actual house. If if the person was at a house, we do home deaths. We go to the hospital. We would go to nursing homes. Sometimes we would go pick up a body from another funeral home because um, it was sometimes it's just more practical to have that funeral home pick up the body and then the uh, uh, to say. Say you have, because uh, obviously when it goes back to like making your will and then uh, you get to a point in your life, like, okay, it's just smart to have like a plan set in place for this is what's going to happen when I die. Um, say you have your plan set up to like this funeral home in Albuquerque is going to take care of me. But you decide to uh, like, no, I'm not trying to shame anyone. You decide to, <laughs> yeah, fuck you for living your life. Yeah. <laughs> you decide to go have a vacation in Oklahoma or whatever. 
or or what like, a what or a spot to pick, dude. It, like, Gal- <laughs> I know you're going to Oklahoma oh, for a vacation. Fucking what a life! You're about to follow that up with Gallup, New Mexico. <laughs> you went from shithole. Oh my! To more God. local shithole. Yeah, Jesus, dude. Hey, like, back to like, your point. Back some your people point. have never left New Mexico. What sure. can I say? Sure. So, <laughs> so you die there. That local funeral home will go pick up your body, right? Yeah. And so someone will go pick you up from there, or they might fly you out if it's too far. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like, and I've done that before, where we boxed up a body, I drove it to the airport, and then the airport, the a plane, they'll get loaded up onto a plane, and that plane will fly the body over to wherever that their plans are 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 to be buried. You know? Yeah. So, um, so we did movements like that. It every time, anytime we did like a house visit. You always took two people with you, no matter how much of a, of a strong badass you were. True. Because uh, um, you never knew where the body was located. Yeah. Normally, it was always they were always on a bed or um, maybe a couch, or whatever. Where they're sure. just like laid flat. Yeah. So it was like easier to just like slide them over to the gurney because obviously the gurneys can collapse to the floor or like high, uh, like normal waist level. But sometimes you know someone's living their life and they died in the bathroom and they got stuck in between the, in between the tub and, and the shitter. Right. Yeah. Sometimes uh, someone was on the recliner and they died on the recliner and no one found them for two or three days. And then rigor Morris already set in, you know, it's things like that. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a macabre thing to think about, but it's, that's, that's real, real. life. Yeah. It's real, real. life. And, Damn. and so like, uh, and even on top of that, you don't know like how architecturally the house is sometimes you the person is like upstairs so you can't or like in an area where you can't physically get the gurney into at least politely oh man you know so it, you want to we're always very when we work there we're always extremely considerate of the family's like emotions because someone's death is one of the hardest times of their life depending on who you're talking to right sure because like sometimes i mean Dealing with the dead bodies are weird stories just inherently, but sometimes dealing with the still living family is like almost stranger, right? Sure. And like there were times where like I went to go pick up a body and the some of the uh, one or two family members were so in disbelief that the person was dead, they were shaking the body trying to wake them up. And the person had already been dead for wow. like a whole day. And then you got the other side of the spectrum where you go talk to the family and they're rushing you out of the house because the Green Bay Packers game is about to start in 15 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah, can we wrap this up? Yeah. Dude, they're about to like, do the they're very, toss. like, hand over foot about it. it, oh it it's gosh. crazy. Yeah. Like, and, like, that really, like, opened my eyes to, like, human emotion, like, like, how mentally prepared are you for this? And even though you might be prepared for it, you might still catch some emotions and like react a certain way. So like the human condition has been like so interesting to me because yeah. I've had so many jobs that dealt with that in like dis- different aspects. I dealt with, I was in the Navy with you know the military, which was like a very like, like warlike aspect. I've uh, worked with my uh, dad uh, who owns a, a fence company and worked at the cabinet shop, which is very physically intensive like jobs. So you, yeah. you get like like a, let's be very quick and efficient with this, smart about this. You're not in the gym. You don't have to fucking lift this whole fucking 
a desk up by yourself. Let's be smart about this because we want to, you know, get deliver this desk in 100% good condition. Right. I've uh, been a solar panel salesman where I believed in the in the product we were selling. I didn't work for a shitty solar panel company. Sure. Uh, so, like, I was being truthful to the people. But there's a rhythm to, like, selling something to where – because I believe you can manipulate – obviously, you can manipulate people for bad reasons. But I also believe you can manipulate someone for good reasons. Like, yeah. you sometimes you got to convince your, your friend to stop smoking cigarettes. Sometimes yeah. you got to – convince a family member to stop being a fat ass because they're yeah. going to die from a heart attack. Sometimes you got to convince someone to buy solar panels because they're they're paying a stupid amount of money on their electricity bill and it just financially makes more sense to get uh, solar panels, you know? Um so so like I've I've in, very intentionally gone into different type of jobs that required speaking to people. And, and and like right even now I I drive Uber right now, mm-hmm. and so like that's a very conversational type of job. But like you're talking to someone, uh, like in the in between chapters of their day. Yeah. So like like right so like today I woke up. I'm like okay I'm I'm gonna be home. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna work out here at home. I'm gonna I'm gonna go get breakfast ready for me. I'm gonna go feed my dog. I'm gonna fucking do this that the other i'm oh fuck i gotta go to smith's to go get the groceries there's an in-between period between you being at your house and you being to like your next location right yeah so you're kind of like more of in a relaxed aspect it's kind of like a it's like talking to your bartender with no alcohol yeah interesting yeah that's a good way to put that yeah, yeah. or talking to a stranger in, in a bar because like and in, in a way I don't know if you feel like uh, the same way, but like sometimes you feel more open or relaxed talking to a stranger that you know you're never going to see again. Oh yeah. Than you do to someone like you know you're going to see very regularly. Yeah. Yeah, and like I get that all the time, all the time. One of my bands snapped on my races. There you go. (laughs) It's not the important band. I these are these are replaceable ones. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. These these are the ones I take out for when I have to eat food and shit. There you go. I get my braces out in 22 days. I'm so excited. I was about to say, but who's counting? Yeah, so. who's, who's counting? It's like I'm. It's, it's like like oh, I only get out of the navy in 15 days and 23 seconds, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh, but no, that uh, like so, and, and then being in a funeral home was talking to someone in one of the worst parts of of their lives, you know. Yeah. And um, I was like, okay, this is gonna. Like I did, like they gave me training, like at the funeral home, but it was very much on the job training, yeah. like. The training they gave me was, hey, go through this slide, uh, uh, like PowerPoint about like the safety precautions for you, because like. And we are back running again. Sorry about the difficulties. Oh, nice. I can't believe that did that to me again. That's uh, it's something that hasn't happened in quite a few episodes, but I'm glad we figured it out. So awesome. we're back. We're back. We're up and running. We're 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 figuring this shit out as we go. This is uh. This is like kind of the wild part of like me also being my own producer, <laughs> like <laughs> not having the uh, you the don't, benefit of uh, having someone else to run it by. You don't have a Jamie to yell at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like what the fuck, Jamie? No, I like this as just a fucking behind the scenes fun of of doing it. But at the same time, like I wouldn't take it any other way. Like I enjoy doing this, you know, yeah. which is good. So, so I apologize. I. No worries. I can't remember exactly. I, I, I remember more or less what we were talking about. I was talking about the funeral home and uh, intentionally getting jobs to uh, uh, to learn how to speak to people within that respect. 
um, like uh, we're getting funeral home. Oh yeah, there's a spectrum of emotions where people are in uh, in disbelief that the person's dead, to where they're shaking the body to. The other end where someone wants you to hurry up and get the body out of the house because the Packers game's about to start in 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, there's that. So, like, I learned how to do that. Oh, like, one of my – so, I remember on my on my first night – because when I first started, I was, uh, I was on call. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have your day shift where you just work hourly, and then you have the night shift, which is – when you're on transport that's really where the money is because you'll get you'll be living your life you'll be doing a thing and then you have like a a separate cell phone if you're the main primary driver you have a self a separate cell phone uh it's a work phone that they give you to uh that receives all the uh like hey this is a person you need to go pick up uh, text messages from so it, i was the secondary and uh his like I'll say his first name. His, his name was David. He was he was already an old guy that had been like in that type of work for like a long period of time. So yeah. he was already very nonchalant with like a, a, everything. Very very professional, but also very friendly, cool to hang out with. Yeah. He he was like one of those guys that was like weird in a cool way. Yeah. You know? he, he, it's, <laughs> uh, so like he, uh, like I was getting some of my macabre humor from him, mm-hmm. but like he uh, like we went and picked up someone. Our first pickup was at a nursing home, and uh, so he came, and I, I forgot. It was just uh, – I had a car. I've always had a car. Just uh, It was just easier for him to uh, come pick me up in the dead man van, mm-hmm. and, and then we go to the place together. So he came, and he scooped me up, and uh, that's that's because uh, uh, I remember on that first night, I was just sitting around waiting to be called and used. I'm like, man, someone's – people are gonna die tonight so yeah. people are gonna die tonight yeah <laughs> and like like uh, people die every day you know yeah, yeah. And like some people died that night and so yeah. like we picked up someone from a nursing home and i remember i i was wearing like pretty much the same clothes i was for the interview but i uh, didn't have a suit jacket and he was like all right so this is good for now but you need to go get a jacket i was like all right cool i'm definitely gonna go go to men's warehouse tomorrow yeah. so uh we went and picked up him and then we dropped him uh, we went to the funeral home and he was showing me all the procedures. Like they have like a certain type of, uh, uh, I don't know what the stuff is actually called, but like on the label it's called stone oil. Basically, we get uh, we put it on their face uh, to keep the skin from drying out while they're in the. Uh, I can't technically call it a freezer because it's not at 32 degrees or lower. It's at sure. 40 degrees. David was very smooth when he would ask, when the family would ask him, like, where, where are you going to be taking him? He would tell him, we're going to be taking him to a nice uh, air-conditioned room. And, like, very, very, like, very padded things to tell a family member that's yeah. in emotional distress. Yeah. And at the time, I, like, I remember the first time I heard him say that, uh, we were in the van. I'm like... That was smooth, David. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That was that was smooth in like a very cool, cool way, and um, he's like, "Yeah, we're not trying to upset anyone here. Yeah. You know, that's not our goal." Yeah. yeah. And uh, so uh, we he uh, so like we do we did that, and like while we he, we were actively doing that, uh, he got another call for uh, someone to pick up, and um, uh, we went to the uh, it was at a hospital. I, it was at the uh, uh, UNMH hospital. I uh, 
I remember the faces. I like almost every single person, uh, almost every single pickup we did. I, I remember a good chunk of the details, but it was so some deaths you go there. None of the family's there. Other deaths, everyone and their grandma's there and they're yeah. waiting for their cousin from Santa Fe to drive down to Albuquerque to come yeah. see the body before it's actually taken away. And so one time, so at this one particular call, we went to UNMH again, my first night. And uh, it was uh, this family's grandfather that had passed away. He was already, he was obviously old. And so like we, um, we talked to the family, we tell them what the process is going to be. Uh, like David had, had like his uh, usual spiel that he would tell them what, what we do. And then um, we would always like, like after we give the family like their, their time, they're like, oh, okay, you could put them on the gurney. Uh, just as an extra courtesy, after we would have him transferred over to the gurney, we would have the guy covered all the way up to his shoulders so that the family could have one last moment with him before we would take him. So, like, we did that. And, uh, oh, yeah, we were also talking about, like, my training for the uh, funeral home. So they only gave me the training of, like, for my own personal safety. They gave me zero training on how to talk to the families. So... (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, you're, t- and, like, remember, I am fresh out of the military, so I'm still kind of, like, gruff, yeah. like, how I talk to people. Raw, like, rough around very, the edges. Very, very rough around the edges. Yeah. So, like, and, and, like, I'm still, like, I had situational awareness, but, like, I'm still learning how to fine-tune it. So, like, the family had their moment with, with the body before we took it. And so, like, David was like, okay, tomorrow you'll be receiving a call from the funeral director. You know, have a nice night. So he's walking away. And, like, I'm expecting the family to walk away, too, because David finished talking to them. And, like, we're walking away. But they're still, like, looking at us. Mm-hmm. And, like, I am ex- I think that I thought that they were expecting me to say something, too. So I <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, like, I thought the only thing I could say to him, like, oh. Uh, have a nice day. And then I walked Ooh. away. <laughs> Literally the worst thing you could talk to yeah. say to someone. And yeah. like, man, if looks could kill, I would have died that same oh, day too. <laughs> and the, the even the nurse that was helping that family, she turned around real quick. She's like, she yeah. looked at me like, how yeah. the fuck could you say that yeah. right now? <laughs> have a great day. <laughs> have like, a great day. They didn't I mean, leave Walmart. I've, they just had a, yeah. a loved one pass away. I, outside of the military, I've only had jobs where like your customer service was like like and on a good note, you know. Yeah. So like I'm like I don't know what to say right now. Like yeah. why are you looking at me right now? Like oh, have a dude. nice day. Oh. Even David, he he was like wheeling the body. He's like, and then yeah. <laughs> I mean he was cool. Like 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 so like we get we he uh he puts the body in the back of the um. It, it, we always drove a unmarked white Ford Transit Connect, and like so, like he 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 puts it in the back, and then he was like, "I understand. Uh, I think I think you're smart enough to know that was not the right thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, you, you'll learn as you go. This is your first night. He was yeah. real cool. Like yeah. like I fucking I I love David for that. Yeah. Real, Shout out David. Yeah. Sure. So uh, he. Uh, he was also the first because we had a few people that that did transport. He he was also the person uh, that I was with when I went to OMI for the first time. Uh, so that's another place we used to pick bodies up. OMI stands for Office of the Medical Investigator. It's uh, next to the freeway. Everyone knows the building without knowing what it is. So yep. like we w- that's where all the autopsies are done for here in Albuquerque, really. So like um, we. Uh, 
on our so sometimes all right this is a macabre thing to say sometimes when uh someone dies uh there's no family or friends to claim the body or say like yo uh this is what his uh plans were sometimes some people just die by themselves you know whether yeah. you think that's sad or that's just uh uh just the lifestyle they lived it's sad or not it's just, that's just what happens it's sometimes it's a reality sometimes people sit in omi for um, a month a year Oof. two years one of my coworkers picked up someone that sat at OMI for 30 years. 30. 30 years. Wow. It was nuts. And like by that so when you pick up a body that's been in a body bag for for like anywhere from a year to 2 years there's like they're obviously still decomposing. So obviously when you put someone in like a freezer or a cold room, it's going to drastically slow down decomposition, but it's still going to happen. Sure. So like between a year and two years, you're gonna, uh, you know, eat maybe sooner than that. You, you'll still, ha you'll, ha you'll see uh, when you open up the body bag, um, th there'll be body fluids like floating around in the bag, mm -hmm. and so, um, you know, obviously, like, uh, when enough time passes, that's gonna evaporate and like wow. through the bag, and like yeah. by the time my my buddy got the uh, the thirty year old body, it was just bones, like there was Ooh. nothing but bones. Ooh. And so, um, one, when I, the, my first time to OMI, we picked up this guy that had been dead for like a year and a half. And so like we, when we, so like all the bodies at OMI, they're like on trays and like the trays are like on, like on, on they're like on shelves, but the shelves have wheels on them. So it's yeah. easy to get them in it's and like out. A, it's like a drawer. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like a drawer. So like we, we got the body out and like when we slid the body over from the tray to our gurney, there was like some like, like like body fluid that was still like sticking to the uh tray i was like oh that's fucking gnarly yeah so like we slid it over david uh yeah you always at omi you always have to sign uh for the body and so like david he wheeled uh everything was going according to plan and uh david like was putting the gurney into the back of the vehicle and like the gurney collapses so like when it collapses it would kind of like tilt back towards you so like their feet are kind of like facing up we would always put their heads like towards the door and like sometimes 99.9% .9 of the time the body bags are are built the way they should yeah. once in a while they're not so like this particular bag had like I don't know if it was like a wheat spot in the bag or like a pinhole in it, whatever. But all the body fluids in the bag rushed over to the head Ooh. and it hit that hole and it bust the bag open. Ooh. And all the body fluids went all over David's suit and on the floor. And I, was, I wasn't I was standing near him. I was watching him do it. And my jaw dropped. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, dude. <laughs> and, and like intense. David... And, like, again, David was so professional and he had done this for so long. He was just nonchalant about it. He was like, ugh. I guess I got to go to the dry cleaners today. Yeah. <laughs> I was, and then like the guy that was helping us that day, um, he, I think he's running his own funeral home now. Uh, that was helping us at OMI. He, uh, uh, he, he was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry that this happened. And like, we clean up all the body fluids and like Dave, uh, David started laughing when we got back in the vehicle. He was like, <laughs> that was a, an adventure, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> it's was a seasoned vet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seasoned nuts. vet. Very professional. And, like, he, that same day, he w went to the dry cleaners and switched out his suits. And he, he just kept on working like nothing happened. Yeah, just kept doing his thing. He kept doing his thing, yeah. yeah. What I, a dude. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, oh, such a wild job. I bet, man. William, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. This was a lot of fun. It, it was interesting to learn a lot about you, and I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. 
Yeah, man. Yeah. I uh, and I know there's more to say. Um, this is to to kind of kind of real quick recap to like like talking about time. I firmly believe that one day, I think this is probably gonna be after I'm I'm dead and gone. I believe one day we'll have an invention to where we'll be able to have conversate several com- conversations simultaneously uh, without sacrificing the quality of any of those conversations. And uh, I think podcasts in the future will be just general conversation will be drastically different from that. You know? Yeah. 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 So that's a that's a good thought to have. I mean, that's a, yeah. I like that. Yeah. 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 Is I, there, I, so right right now, like it, where we live in in the spot we live in history we're kind of hyper focused on being super efficient with our words and speaking with more than our words i think that's why kind of uh stand-up comedy and just performances like like really uh appreciated in that respect but like once that happens you know fucking life is going to change everything is going to change after that happens you know yeah absolutely mm-hmm. is there anything uh going on uh soon you have the um comedy contest which Unfortunately, this will air after that. Uh, but do you have anything else coming up? Anything you wanna you wanna plug right now? Uh, me. I mean, I'm up. Let me see. I'm part of the cast for the Dinner Detective, which is a nice. murder mystery dinner show at the Marriott Hotel. Yeah. We also do private events. Uh, I mean that that goes into fundraisers, weddings. We could kill your mother-in-law. Yeah. Just re- <laughs> just re- remember these deaths are fake, and you still have to talk to them after the de- death is done. Mm-hmm. Um. So there's that. Obviously, you could you could catch me at, at most, if not every open mic in town. Uh, I'm still running the garage uh, out of my house on Sunday. Oh, it's on Sundays now. It, yeah. you know, the schedules changed over time, so I'll. Uh, I mean, it it if you if you have a need to know about the garage, you'll know about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want everyone knowing where I live. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so Fair enough. Uh, there's that. Um, comedy contest that's the only thing i can think about right now you can also um uh i mean i've done other podcasts i've been on buck d's podcast i've been on carla v thinks out loud muse me tv uh forgive me if i've I've, oh i've been on potential problems a couple of times uh and then obviously right now you're listening to escaping tyranny so this is probably the most uh, this is the most updated podcast we've done obviously oh yeah there you (laughs) go so uh yeah, that's pretty much where you can catch me right now. You can also, obviously, you can see um, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and I also have a YouTube channel where I post all of my all of my sets, even the shitty ones. It it that that's been like a video journal for me for my comedy growth. Like I'll record my uh, open mic sets, upload it to there, and I watch it later. Nice. Mm-hmm. There you go. Guys, you know where to find William. Uh, This has been another episode of Escaping Tyranny. Remember the rules. uh, Don't drink and drive. Mix in the water. Go down on your partner and the earth is flat. Cheers. Shake my hand, I'll put it back in my pocket I'm gonna write a book And I don't care if you read it I'm gonna make a movie I don't care if you watch it I'm gonna wave anyway I could care less if you look And if you don't shake my hand I'll put it back in my pocket 
I'm gonna write a book, and I don't care if you read it. I'm gonna make a movie, I don't care if you watch it. I'm gonna wave anyway, I could care less if you look. And if you don't shake my hand, I'll put it back in my pocket.